Morning, weirdos. This is Jay Barishal, and uh, more proof for me that Zoom can be great episodes. I mean, Robin Espinoza, Henderson Espinoza, if you uh, did not listen to that one, go back. Great episode. Uh, Conan, great episode. I mean, we've been having great Zoom episodes. I don't mean to be leaving one out. They've all been great. And here's another one is my point. That's my point. Here's another one. Jay Barishal, we talk about how we've met briefly, but this is certainly the longest conversation we've ever had. Uh, and it was a delight. I, I mean, you'll see. We're just similar similar guys and just a really great You Made It Weird filled with laughs and all the, all the good stuff. So thank you. Thank you. So thank you for listening. No, that's a good thing to say. Thank you for listening. Hope you're healthy and safe. Hope you're sane. I know people are stressed. People are scared. Um, hopefully this is a nice little break for all of us uh, to listen to this wonderful uh, chat. Um, nothing to plug. No tour dates right now. I mean, there might be some, but they're so far out and we're all just waiting to see what's happening. Uh, well, so we'll push them when we're, sh- when we're, when we're super sure. Super sure. Uh, but I do want to plug the Pete's Picks. I've been swearing by my Pete's Picks. Got my Charlotte's Web right here on the desk. These are my recovery gummies, ginger flavored. These are actually really, really delicious. This is my favorite way to take Charlotte's Web. Go to cwhemp.com slash weird. Use promo code keepitcrispy19. Uh, thank you to our friends at Charlotte's Web. Uh, also, our friends at Kachava been living, not even living, thriving on Kachava. For me, I, I'm sort of keeping grocery store visits down to a minimum. And as a result, it's really, really hard for me to eat uh, as nutritiously as I like to. Um, as I mentioned to Zach Braff, almost first and foremost for mood management, to just feel good and to have the, the nutrition in my body that gives me the energy to feel good. I know that sounds kind of weird, but once you start eating super healthy plant-based foods, you know what I'm talking about. They get you high, uh, nutrition high. I don't mean like stone. They make you feel incredible. And Kachava has been a real ally for me, a plant ally, as I always like to say. Uh, and if you don't know, Kachava is a born-in-the-jungle superfood drink mix that is filled with exotic and hard-to-find nutrients that you absolutely need to feel incredible and to feel your best and to honestly just feel full. It's like a meal and a pill. You take it, you'll be full for like five hours. It's crazy. I didn't even know. Some people take Kachava for weight management. They take it for meal replacement. I basically started taking it because it makes me feel incredible and because I looked at the ingredients. I was like, this is the stuff that I need and it's all in one place. It's 100% plant-based. Omega-3s from chia seed and flaxseed. Eight super fruits are in the bag. 17 greens and veggies. That's what I'm really struggling to get is how do I get more greens and veggies in my in my diet these days. Boom, in the bag. 17. Gluten-free, soy-free. There's no artificial sweeteners or preservatives. There's just enough coconut nectar, which is a low glycemic sweetener. So it is sweet, but it won't spike your uh, blood sugar. It's got 1,000 milligrams of adaptogens, 24 grams of plant-based protein, and 9 grams of fiber. And it's actually delicious. I make it sometimes with almond milk and frozen strawberries. Tastes like a chocolate strawberry milkshake and makes you feel even better than a chocolate strawberry milkshake. In fact, it makes you feel a lot better. It makes you feel good. This is what you need. Maca root for vitality, cacao uh, for mood elevation. It's a wonderful uh, ally for us. It's a nut, really. Go to kachava.com, K-A-C-H-A-V-A.com slash weird for 20% off, and you can show your support of this podcast. 
Uh, speaking of superfoods, this is week four, I think, of me taking Tahitian noni juice, Tahitian nonju, as I like to call it. Uh, noni is a Tahitian superfruit. You guys know, obviously, that I am into superfoods. I've known about noni. I've never taken it in a juice form before, but I'm I'm into it. It's something I look forward to every day. I love knowing that I'm doing something beneficial for my body, for my immune system, and I do find it to be energizing and tasty. It tastes a little bit, to heat nonju, tastes a little bit like pomegranate juice to me. It's actually a mix of noni juice and blueberry juice. Uh, it's clinically proven. This is, this is what's important to me. They did double-blind trials with placebo, a clinical study that showed four ounces twice a day, which is basically just a generous swig, twice a day, increases your NK, that's your natural killer cells, by 30%. NK cells are the cells that help your immune system stay powerful. So it's basically 30% more ammunition that your cells need just by taking a shot of, of this juice twice a day, uh, 30%. I looked into it. Checks out. It's unbelievable. And it's tasty. And it's packed with 275 nutrients and phytonutrients and key vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. Keeps your body free of harmful free radicals. Uh, it's also got adaptogens that defend against stressors. It's, uh, in, in, I'm sorry, I'm reading this. This part I had to check out. Naturally enhances energy. I'm glad I read that verbatim. I couldn't remember that. Naturally, naturally enhances energy. Obviously, it's vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, and supports overall wellness. What they're doing is usually a one-liter bottle of Tahiti Nonju and uh, the corresponding cell defense supplement, which is what they recommend uh, with it, which is what I'm taking with it. It's been clinically shown to help your body fight inflammation. Usually, the two together is $100, but using this promo code, you can get both for just $40 and show your support of this podcast. Get some Tahit Nonju in your in your, in the door of your fridge. Go to noninewage.com, n o n i newage.com/weird40. Show your support of the show, the always free show, and do something good for your body with Kachava and Tahit Nonju and Charlotte's Web. Get into it. That's a that's a recipe for for a good feeling right there. That's what I'm that's what I'm about. That's why they're Pete's Picks. These are things I actually use and love. All right. Enough enough yammering. Let's get another voice in here. Let's get Jay Barishall's voice in here. I fucking loved this chat. Get into it. Get excited. And stay safe. Stay healthy. Get into it. Uh, <laughs> how are you? Yeah, nope, I'm not done. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's see. Where, sorry, yeah, let's see where this goes. I'm by. Yeah, it only goes into my my bar mitzvah. Is what's about to happen. <laughs> this is going to lead into man. Did you do a regular mitz? I didn't have one because uh, oh, my yes. dad my dad was Jewish, but my mother's Catholic. So I was kind of I, I was really raised more by her and in her family more than anything. Oh. So so I didn't really. So I went to Catholic school and stuff. Even uh, where where'd you go? Where are you? Are you there? Uh, yeah. There you I are. Mean, oh yeah. Sorry. All right, friend. I was putting in headphones. I I didn't. You were on before me. Here I was thinking I was coming on early. And uh, and you were there sitting and waiting. And I well, I felt bad, uh, Pete. Uh, I, I was uh, talking on the phone or on the Zoom there, and it went a bit late. And I, you know, d- didn't want to keep you waiting. And I know I Lauren bought me fifteen minutes, but I still was like, well, if you're sitting there, I should fucking get her going. So anyway, Jay, Jay Baruchal. 
I don't know why I'm open. It's because I'm still trying to get my notes here. Uh, so um, I haven't, let's, let's not even count this as the beginning. I didn't sing J Baruch. How do you say it a Hebrew way? <laughs> First off, I'm going to turn my camera off because this is really weird that you can, everyone can see me and no, no I can't see wait, No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, are you? Where am I? They, see, you just hey. got me off guard. Oh, I'm sorry, they, I didn't know you <laughs> um, I, Yeah, I felt like I was in a sort of human trafficking auction. Um, no, I didn't like it either. All right, good. I didn't like it, and I like this better now, and I'm so happy to see you. Likewise. Thank you for doing it. Thanks for having me. And um, I well, that seemed like an okay place to start. I, you you weren't bar mitzvahed. I, I always envied my <laughs> Jewish friends because they had some sort of rite of passage. I'm not yeah. even just saying that. It sounds oh, like fair. something like a, a waspy goy would be like, oh, you guys are so lucky. But they had something where the family got together and acknowledged a boy at the very age that he needs acknowledgement. Yeah. And I was over there learning to juggle and doing magic, just desperately <laughs> trying, hoping someone would ask me to sing in a foreign tongue. Uh, but, yeah. But you, you, you were raised more catholic by your mom yeah i was so like you know when i was 12 or 13 we moved back to montreal um from a a place called oshawa which is like a little gm town outside of toronto and um you know my my father was uh, the entirety i think of the oshawa jewish community while we were there and that's when i was like in catholic school and stuff and then when we moved back to montreal which is where my dad's family were and all this stuff and it's like a actual jewish community all of a sudden I had this kind of, oh man, okay, yeah, I can get in touch with this other side. And so I had a, I made a very half-hearted attempt at being bar mitzvahed. I like started studying for a sec and went to Hebrew school. And then I remember that it was like the third Saturday or fourth Saturday that I had to get out of bed. I remember what I was doing. I was watching the Fantastic Four cartoon in my bedroom and I was like, why did I ever agree to give this up? Why, why, like, I, what a terrible decision. No, because I, that was always my MO. I played softball. What did the Fantastic Four have to do with it? Nothing? It was just like, I don't want to leave. That's Saturday. That's mine. I, I have uh, the, the rest of the week is for everyone else. And this is my day. And I've got to go out. Like, I found one more way to sacrifice my free time, right? Like, yes, yes. I, I, I played softball for two years. I abhorred almost every second of it. The big reveal, the big sort of moment for me was like when I was like, yeah. This is my this is my fucking time. Like I, I was like five days a week. I'm at school. I'm doing homework. I'm eating supper. I'm taking baths. I'm I'm doing all the stuff everyone tells me to do. Yeah. Saturday is not a day for me to put on a uniform and get more directions from my dad that I have to listen to because everyone's staring. Like yeah, enough with that. I completely agree. I it's actually sort of weird. This is this is going to sound forced, but when I met you. Let's let's ride this out. I met you briefly. <laughs> I, I'm not expecting you to remember that because you know how sometimes on a film set there's a weird guy that's a friend of one of the co-stars, uh, and there's that weird guy who's like talking to everybody. I was that weird guy. But let's follow this through. Wait, uh, I where? Was, uh, on uh, she's out of my league. My league in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. holy that was you. That was me. I was the weird guy. Oh my god! I was the weird guy hanging with uh, TJ. Yes, and, that's and I right. Met you and was and hung out <laughs> because 
I remember what we were talking about as well. Do um, you? Yes, of course. You do? Are, are we allowed to mention it? <laughs> Buddy, this is our time. Were we were really into you do it. We were exploring various theories uh, as to what happened on September 11th, if yes. I remember correctly. I remember very vividly. Yeah. My wife and I had just split up. My first wife and I had just split up. And TJ, in a very loving gesture, was just like, just come and and stay with me in Pittsburgh. Fuck. For a while. Fuck. And we needed that. The yeah. It came up to my, came to mind was, I love the name of the band Taking Back Sunday. That's what right. it with what you were saying. It's a perfect band. Right. Yes. This is Taking Back Saturday. Yes. Correct. And on that trip in Pittsburgh, I was at a bar. I was very drunk and just like very deeply depressed. Um, and Taking Back Sunday, which is, I guess it's emo music. Mm -hmm. I don't even know uh -huh. how to classify it. Yeah. But it came on and I was like, this is how I feel. <laughs> so like I met you when I discovered that band and loved them for a long time. Yeah. And that's the first thing you mentioned, and I'm gonna count it as I Holy smokes. That is that there is that that is a complete circle, man. Yeah, that's it's really weird. That's what we were at base camp. I remember we were yeah, it was yeah. it was by the trailers and I think we were shooting at the air show. We were. You're absolutely yeah, right. That's right. Holy fuck! I just didn't put two and two together. No, holy fuck! I mean, like, I, I mean, not to be weird. I was just <laughs> a guy, like, <laughs> meaning I hadn't done anything that you would have seen. So I was just a friend of of, of TJ, hanging right. out and doing that thing. I'm sure I was a bit much. You were very no. Not at all. I just remember because TJ had quoted and because I had, you know, spewed some of my, you know, revisionist theories. And he was like, oh, I was a friend of mine who's super into this stuff, too. And I remember I was like, I remember you blew my mind because you presented. The no blame. <laughs> the no blame thesis. <laughs> I can't believe you remember no blame. I remember the moment because I was like, huh. I was like, because I was like, don't be an asshole, because I was like, oh, now I know how other people feel when I say my shit to them, because yeah. I, because I, because it was, it was left field, like, fuck, and I was like, oh, no, but you have to entertain it, that's the whole point, you got to be able to entertain everything if you're, you know, because that was my whole sort of logic, was yeah. like, I, I should be able to discuss or explore, blah, 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 right. and so... You fucking tested my ideals in that moment, man. Yeah. I think we emailed about it. This meant more to me than you. So I'm going to I'm going to say I think I remember this correctly. Yeah. That we emailed about it. And I maybe even said like so the no plane theory by the way. We're not this isn't a conspiracy podcast, but we can we can talk about it whatever we want. <laughs> the no plane theory was that there were no planes on the 11th that it was uh missiles or or Yeah. Uh, right that holograms flew into the building i do want to sidebar my wife had just left me that's not to say that there aren't good questions to ask about what happened on 9 11 there certainly are but there's definitely a Indeed. correlation between being deeply depressed and falling into a rabbit hole oh man right? it it absolutely <laughs> dovetails completely my my time as a subscriber on infowars dovetailed perfectly with the nadir of my adult life yes, yes it made perfect sense by the way i i need to take this opportunity to tell anybody like i want to apologize 
for helping create the monster that is Alex Jones. I, I was a paying subscriber on his site, but I swear to God, back in the day, it was not, there was no government apology. It was not a propaganda wing of a sitting president. The whole reason why I thought it was worth listening to and legit is that he fucking hated on everyone he seemed to be legitimately bipartisan with his craziness and so to (laughs) me i thought that was like oh okay so this is just a guy who's an independent got some interesting ideas blah 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 i dug that you know in the bohemian grove movie he was outside of george w bush's governor's mansion in in austin calling him a luciferian twit and all this and i was like well god bless us (laughs) you know he pretends to be with the Bush camp. Remember, yes. he gets in a pickup truck. That's and right. Like, and he's like, I'm with the Bush camp. And I was like, how is this <laughs> And I remember in, there's a bit of hidden camera footage of him at the like beer tent. And he's next to some ginger guy. And the ginger guy goes, a thirsty man. There's a bit of Bohemian Grove banter between the ginger guy and Alex Jones. Which means that even in deep cover, even infiltrating the darkest corner of the dark secret shadow government, he's having a lot of beer. Like, I, I, I'm not even kidding. Right. Balls. I just I don't have that rascally. Like if no, don't go into that golf club. I wouldn't go in. And he's like, I'm going to go in and watch them burn the what is it? There's the owl god. Oh yeah, it's the cremation of care ceremony, the and they're sacrificing they're sacrificing symbolic children to Moloch, the owl god from Moloch. ancient Who's Babylon. On the dollar bill. Yes, that's right. No, yeah. that's right. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you. I'm Canadian. I love nothing more than queuing up and being told what I'm not allowed to do. Yeah. And so, like, and because I can't keep up with it. Any time that I've ever like, I remember one time I was in Cardiff, Wales, with some friends, and the Millennium Stadium had just been built, and they were doing a press day as we were walking past it, and there was just some random door open that said "Press this way," and we were like fuck it this is this is why you backpack in europe and and i remember we got in there and the first person that was like can i help you lads i was like ah, ah, and i just ran back out i was like so, so sorry to inconvenience you sir yes. <laughs> so i definitely wouldn't have been drinking if i was in bohemian grove oh, i would have been scared shitless <laughs> I, I i haven't kept up with alex jones but there was a time and again it with both of us as you said it dovetailed with a sad time and there's something, how old, I mean, we're a similar age, I believe. So we were around the same age when 9-11. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm 38 as of uh, two weeks ago. So you're like 20 when 9-11. Yeah, yeah. And there's something, maybe you can speak to this. I just remember being like, it can't be what they're saying it is, because if they're saying what it is, then like everything's too scary. So I took, a, again, there are legitimate questions. And I took so much comfort in going, it's not random. It was this huge, it wasn't just like something went wrong. It's something horrible went incredibly well. Yeah, I I think that's spot on. I think, yes, uh, there are very legitimate, sincere questions to be asked. But beyond that, I also think you're right. And I hate it because this is always what anybody that kind of questioned an official narrative is accused of, is you're just projecting a sort of myth to make it make sense to you. But I think there is obviously something to that because, you know, it's hard to describe because and I'm not like an old fart, but in a pre nine 11 world, it was a very different value system. There was, 
fragile is as far away from the experience as you can imagine. For, now, that's for me as a white boy in Canada in the 90s. But what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to you say is... on solid ground. Yeah, it yeah. looked like it looked, and not only Terrorism solid ground. Funny. You'd see like true lies, and you'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Honestly, Imagine if they tried to take down a plane, would get them. Honestly, and in addition to that, to me, there was a clear upward arc from the generation my grandparents were a part of, the generation my parents were a part of. Like, I remember thinking that war was a thing of the past. Mm. Mm. What a naive, silly fucking thing. But that I remember, I remember just how, that's how cozy we were. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that fucking day, holy frig, it just like threw everything out. And then, and then everything that came after was a whole nother shade of ugly. And, yeah. you know, and, and I had front row seats and as somebody who had just moved down to the States when I was 18. So when I moved to the States was just after the, uh, when the Florida election recount stuff had just started kicking up. Yeah. And so that's when I got to the States and then was there through September 11th invasion of Iraq and everything else afterwards. And so buddy, it was fucking crazy. Like yeah. it was crazy for everyone there. And, and I, and I can't imagine what it would be like if I had anybody that suffered as a result of what happened, but I can just say as an observer and especially an outsider down there, it was just like, no wonder we wanted shit to make sense. Yeah, of course. And it, it was greatly anxiety reducing. Oh, I, I remember flying around that time and being like, it's okay. Because if somebody's planning it, you can apply certain types of logic like, well, they're not going to do another one right after it. You know what I mean? Because there's so many moving parts. Yeah. Fighting this big global story. I, I remember there was the Rumsfeld. I bet you know all of this. There was the Rumsfeld thing that came out that had the Twin Towers in the, in mm -hmm. the airs. Yeah, right. The uh, um, Operation Northwoods. And we need I a new Pearl Harbor. Northwoods, yep. which was the Secretary of Defense or something. It's all from the Project for a New American Century Wolfowitz nonsense. But yeah, it was all that cabal who were very transparent about what they wanted. And, right. when, and when they got what they wanted via the, <laughs> the medium that they had described, it was kind of hard not to be like, what the fuck, man? And, and, but also it was just like, it was kind of bloody scary to, to, to watch like, yeah, everybody was scared. And when people are scared, they get their backup. And when they get their backup, it becomes this like, yeah, I, I just like remember seeing uh, people that I know changed in my opinion, changed in a profound way. And I just remember that the, the, message my mother kept telling me and everybody kept telling me is jay just keep your fucking mouth shut everyone's nerves are fucking raw it's not your place to fight every fucking debate just because you know like right. people are going to feel what they feel so just shut the fuck up and let them feel it but yeah it was it was scary man i was the weird guy though i guess i have that proselytizing part of me i do like talking about things i like getting into you, things that you're kind you and of me both supposed to you so and me both jay told me that you were into it i couldn't <laughs> wait so what i think you you emailed me and I could be wrong. We could certainly, why, what a sad world it would be if we had to look this up. If you like challenge me, <laughs> I seem to remember you saying, I'm so into it. I was embarrassed. I had never heard of that theory. 
Yeah. We're being like, I told the star of the movie something that he didn't know about 9-11 deep conspiracy. Well, because that, that, was my, that was my job at every house party, was to just like fucking go off on a rant, man. And yeah. I was like, I got my mother to watch Loose Change. Like yeah. I, was, I was getting everybody like, Mine so that- is, uh, Zero, did you watch Zero? Oh no, what was Zero? Zero, I think it might even be Canadian. I'm not even kidding. There's like really? a- there's a really, I, I can't speak to it. I haven't seen it in 20 years, but it, it was, there was a very good one that was, Loose Change had the hip hop and it was sort of young. Yeah. Zero was like, we got 45 Dutch scientists. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, yes, yeah. Academic. Yeah, of course. No, I watched all that in plain sight. I watched all of that. I mean, in plain sight was the first one. In plain sight was like a PBS documentary. It was like a guy, it was almost like Bob Ross painting. He was just like, oh and if you look very close, remember in plain sight said you could see something on the bottom of the plane. Yeah, and so did Loose Change. It said like it had a, yeah, it looked like a, like a, an attachment on the bottom of the of the of the passenger it did yeah talking about that like cell phone radiation damage we just stopped talking about it yeah there there are some that but but that speaks to another sort of need for comfort is like there are some you know there are some family skeletons that probably certain family members would rather keep in the closet because at least that means we can still have supper and go on vacation you're right. There's only one way we deal with trauma. What, what, as above, so below, if we want to get weird. Meaning the way humans deal with it interpersonally, with abuse and trauma, yep. is the way countries and the planet seems to Correct. deal with it. Correct. I think so, too. And I do think, again, even though I can renounce some of my fanaticism for that stuff, it did help me learn, like, just to what degree, like, how do people cope? Yeah. And I remember my manager was like, look, I, when I was young, I used to be like you, and I would be like, uh, why, why did building seven fall? It didn't even, it fell at four thirty, and all uh-huh. the stuff. And then he's like, I'm telling you the older I get, it just is what they say. And I was like, right. but there's literally like scientific evidence to, to that type of thinking, meaning yeah. there's atrophy and, and there's stuff that happens, especially in the male <laughs> mind. Where you don't, and young minds yeah. are like so elastic. And that's why they're no, putting uh, hip hop beats under loose change. You're you're totally right because also, so like I'm 38 now. I just like you and my mother called this. She called this when I was in high school. She's just like you will give less of a shit about things as you get older because your your what you care about gets narrowed. Your you it simplifies with age. It, it it's you have no choice. You care about your family and sustaining a way of life and providing for them. You care about the big things you probably cared about, like being a good person and and whatever your sort of like raison d'etre is. But all of this other stuff, you just realize that everything is a zero-sum game, your, your emotional spectrum and your energy included, and you can't yeah. expend it on fucking everything. I, I know right. I can't. I, I, so I just this like... This is why depressed, possibly yeah. stoned, <laughs> white boys yes. in America or in Canada in your case, obviously, uh, with time and yeah. not worrying about their next meal or their families... Are, are obviously going to make things like loose change. Are going to eat yeah. up things like loose change. Idle. It's when you're idle. And yeah. and and. But I'll say this: that that in in going so hard into all that shit, it it took me. I don't know that I uh, would be where I am sort of intellectually. Not that I'm any place special intellectually, but I, I certainly know I wouldn't be where I was if I didn't go through that process. Because I remember 
I, I inhaled all this info. Um, so, and there was a period pre YouTube or when YouTube was still young, that Google video had better things. I thought they had a lot. There was, I like remember a, that. There was a lot of shit the on bigger, Google video, the bigger, bigger screen, screen the, the bigger screen, screen. <laughs> and a better player, a player that just works better. And there was a way more content on there. Like the better, the best version of conspiracy of silence was on uh, Google, Google wow. video. But I, I, I remember getting high on myself because I would spew facts I learned from fucking YouTube and Google video. And then I remember having the idea, this light bulb moment where I was like, right, right. I'm an expert. Cause I watched some fucking homemade docs. How many books have I read about any of these subjects? Uh. And I was like, huh, I should probably do that. And I've stopped, I've got to stop citing homemade documentaries. Right. <laughs> when, when your footnotes are all URL. <laughs> It's so an embarrassing it's, thesis. Correct. And yeah. so I was like, you know what? Put your big boy pants on and, and read the sort of dry, boring, unpalatable versions of all of this shit and force yourself to piss test your ideas and see what everyone sure. who thinks your ideas are dog shit is saying, right? Like, oh, yeah. oh, go ahead. Please keep going. No, I'm done. But that's, so it's all to say that it's the first step on this on the, on the route that took me here. I was just going to make a dumb joke. I'm sorry if I derailed you. I was going <laughs> to no, say, please. I would have read about Building 7 and the 9-11 Commission, but it doesn't mention it. <laughs> it doesn't see, mention it. It's like a thousand-page book. They don't mention a lot. I, see, they don't it's mention hard. it. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't want – I can't get going. You, you're allowed to talk about this stuff. I'm still not because I'm not American. I've never been allowed to talk about this stuff. So, so my opinion really is forfeit. Like, it's like, absolutely forfeit. It is absolutely forfeit, and I, and I understand why. I understand why. What, do you, what does that mean? It's absolutely forfeit. It just means that, like, what American wants to hear a foreigner telling them that their government or, or that, you know, like nobody wants to. Canada's no. big Vermont. <laughs> you have to understand. I, I had this bit that I used to do when I went up to Canada. And forgive me if it, if it seems dismissive. It's actually supposed to seem inclusive. I always looked at Canada as just like, you know, an, an upstairs. It's just part of us. Right. So whenever I go through security and they're like, we got to see your passport. And like, why are you here? It's very Jason Bourne. And I'm right. like, I feel like someone's asking me to show me their, my ID on the way to the attic. Like, I'm just like, it's my, it's my house. It's the same house. What is the attic? And they're like, what are you going to do in the attic? I'm like, it's the fucking attic. It's exactly the same. You guys have ketchup chips. That's the only thing I can see. It, it's, except for the attic's a bit tidier. Uh, <laughs> the attic's a bit fucking tidier than the living room in this case. <laughs> we don't keep our guns in the attic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm less likely to get shot in this attic yeah, than I am in this true. living room. You know. And our president <laughs> has no jurisdiction over the attic. You're very welcome for that. Thank fuck. Um, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. I, no, so, but I, I just also like, because of my time in the States where I was a sort of like, yeah, I was like kind of a firebrand with my ideas and I would pick a lot of fights and, and I was just like, and I could just understand the inclination of somebody not wanting someone. Now, whether or not 
I qual- a Canadian qualifies as a foreigner in the States, you know, that's, that's, that's an academic conversation, I suspect, yeah. but all the same, it, it, I don't like, we, we as Canadians have, have a habit, uh, as I just did now, I just displayed this now, but we have a, you know, we're famously polite, blah, 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 but we're some of the most patronizing, arguably one of the most patronizing races in the world. And, and, and <laughs> it is, I feel bad that I haven't noticed because I've spent so much time there, which means I've been patronized. <laughs> Correct. Oh and so, so we are terribly condescending, and it is the it is the bane of every American who comes to visit that we all sort of get to talk down to them and ask them all these sort of pointed rhetorical questions, as if every single one of them is a member of the State Department, and and you know, and so I. I, I worry that questioning the official narrative of certain big tra- tragic events could skew a bit condescending. I suppose. I guess the, the how American is this attitude? Who cares? I mean, like I just told you that like <laughs> that that nine eleven doc that I really love. I think it was. I said it was Canadian, but I think it was like German. It was German or Italian or Italian. Yeah. I, I, nobody's like you don't live here. I mean. I once, I've told this story before, but I took a girlfriend to see Jim Norton. I was opening for Jim Norton and he made fun of, he made a 9-11 joke. Yeah. And she stood up at the show and said, you can't make that joke if you're not from New York. And we were in LA. Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> right. she didn't hear him. By the way, Jay, if someone heckles at a comedy show nine times out of 10, it's the girlfriend of one of the other comedians. <laughs> They're the, that they're, they're, or boyfriend. <laughs> they're always the, like entitled that they're like somehow in that they can like I can heckle. It's not heckling. I'm I'm with one of the guys. I've got veto power, which is why I felt comfortable talking to you. But you were uh, you were very sweet and uh, very good. Very nice. Thank you. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Fuck. That's crazy, Pete. I, that's, that really, really is. Thank and it's the like Sunday. ten years, and it's the like ten year anniversary or some shit of that Isn't movie. That wild. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that became kind of a like a cult classic. I mean, it's got a lot of goodwill out there towards it. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I have, it, it, it constantly surprises me. And I don't mean, I don't mean to imply any judgment. I just, I am constantly surprised that people come up to me and tell me how much it means to them. And it's their favorite movie. Yeah. You know, like, um, Wayne Gretzky adores that film. And like when I I met him, yeah, I was like, holy fuck. Like that's, you know, that's, that's crazy, man. You know, cause also not to get too hokey, but really the whole point of any of this nonsense is to hopefully like make someone feel something or cheer them up or think about something. And to have people come up and be like, Hey man, I watch that movie all the time, or that's my go-to or that movie cheers me up. It's like, that's, there's nothing else. Dude, did you write um, "This Is the End"? I can't remember. No, I, 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 I <laughs> no, I, 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 I gave notes that weren't welcome. Uh, <laughs> but no, I didn't. <laughs> we worked in something about nine eleven. Can you kill us. <laughs> that we finally received the truth of what happened on 9-11 when the end of the time um, Well, there's just so much just personal yeah. about you in it. Yeah, felt like maybe yeah definitely. You had oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, so that's also just the process that sort of Seth and Evan kind of create is like, you know, they 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 want to mine good fertile shit. And they yeah. saw that sort of exacerbating each of our kind of things would do something. And that, you know, that there was maybe a, a narrative to be mined from 
from Seth and my and our actual sort of personal life, which yeah. is like a weird kind of like crazy ballsy thing and it's weird i'm gonna get accused of saying anything you do in a 30 million dollar movie is ballsy but i just it, it, it's weird that we did that because i don't know how many <laughs> people would would have a falling out and then find a way to mine that for jokes and a dramatic arc yeah. and and you mean we, you and jonah well, me and Seth, right? Because the whole, like, the, you know, the sort of, like, the whole thing about, you know... Uh, you, did you guys... I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be coy. And no, I, no, not at all, but, like, I in the... the show, I didn't know you had no, a falling out. No, but, like, everything that we had a falling out and we talk about in the film, right? About, yeah. you know, me thinking he sold out and 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 blah, 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 all that different. And, you know, me coming to L.A. and, and not giving him a shout. Like, they put that in the movie because that did start happening. Like, we legitimately, yeah. you know, like... and. Um, and it's so, so we, male. It's we, so male. It's, the only way you can talk is through work. You know. It, you, oh, oh my God. Male. Oh, terribly so. And <laughs> and and because also like we we like have a a come to back together moment at the end of the film and we go up to heaven and like that never happened in actual life. Like we shot that scene, but like we never actually buried a hatchet because we're both too fucking proud and vain to do it, right? But like, That's but hilarious. yeah. So so. It, it it ends up being like this movie is a weird almost dogma 95 movie like like yeah. because because it, it ends up being a really non-traditional super kind of like you want to talk about sticking to your artistic ideals and stuff and and you should be a fr uh, be able to to have no uh no to remove yourself from it and just give yourself to the thing it's fucking real shit you know, and we turned it into a, a a movie, and that's like that's that's fucking crazy. <laughs> it is crazy, and that is what brought it to mind. Was uh, before, long before I reached out to you to do the podcast. We, I, I just want to give you this compliment. Val and I watched it probably for the third or fourth time, just for enjoyment. Like I, I just want oh, cool. you to know that for what cool. meaning this is awesome. such a stressful time. <laughs> and I know people are going to be like, oh, yeah, it feels like the end of the world. It also just feels like a time when, when you're in, you know, the scene yeah. where you're, you're distributing the food. <laughs> yeah. There's that time before we all figured out takeout and, and <laughs> yeah. we go to the grocery store. We were kind of like, well, what do we have? Yes, yes, correct. <laughs> so we threw it on and we just enjoyed it. Awesome. And something Thank that you. I think about all the time as a, as a performer is I that scene? Maybe you get this from other performers where we're like, "No, we're good people. Like we make people, <laughs> we, we make people yeah. laugh, and we make them yes. happy. But we of know that we have fucking bidets, and we have fucking, and that it's covered. like, yeah. And and for, I don't know if you suffer from this, but I know me and plenty of others do. Of, of like, I also will always have a shame for doing this for a living like you know I, I as opposed to like something fucking hard that kicks the shit out of me every day where i you know like like giving mike berbiglia's business manager is his brother and i was like right. you let your brother see your checks i'm not saying like everything we do is crazy <laughs> but i'm saying if you do one corporate gig if you do a one stand-up show for microsoft you keep that to your fucking self I'm glad I don't know my accountant. Like, I don't want to know my accountant in a personal way because I would be like you, humiliated yeah. to be like, yeah. this is it. Of course, you and I both know it gets cut in half and then there's 20, 30 more. No, of course. There's a, you know, and who knows when the next one comes, blah, blah, blah. All right. that shit, of course, of course, of course. But it's still 
a, it's a, it's saying lines that somebody wrote for money is like, is, and, and like taking pictures and getting makeup on my face still feels goofier than anything else that, you know, out yeah. there. And, and we're, no matter what, pretenders. that's what my, no friend, matter what Will Calhoun called actors. It's very condescending. very Canadian. He said, he called them word <laughs> pretenders, which yeah. always made me laugh. He was like, Oh yeah. Cause he worked on friends. He was like, yeah, Jennifer Aniston's a great word pretender. I was like, that is so <laughs> condescending, um, yep. but it is absurd. It's a very, very strange yep. thing to do. I'd be remiss, goofy. Jay, and I don't want to bring it up later, but what are, are you good with Seth now? This isn't that show. I'm actually just <laughs> no. you as a human being. Like I, yeah. I want to rewrite your life that you went to the premiere, <laughs> you watched the movie, you saw you guys, I get, very emotional at that part like I, that's me a too and part I, for me. no and and i and and so yeah i i the, this is how i would i would articulate at least my side of our relationship and and which is the same as it was when we shot the movie which is um he is my family more than my friend like i consider him like blood in that i uh would in a heartbeat, go to prison for him. I would, in a heartbeat, kill somebody for that dude because, yeah, that's my blood. But that doesn't mean that we're in a lot of contact or, like, you know, like, I've got cousins that I would fucking go to prison for who I'm not, like, texting with or trying to, you know, hang out with all that much. And so, like, I think he and I, you know, we live very different lives. Um, but I'll say this, like, I I want nothing more than to kind of yeah than 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 for us to kind of like be cool again and I think we are we are our version of that for sure um it's weird it's it, but I, I think like uh, and I'm not even trying to put the screws to you and by the way you, here's what it is anything you say you can take out this is your episode no no I appreciate that but no because I you know it's good no because I feel like it's you know it's worth saying and and people might be interested but like I no matter what happens even if we're not speaking we still say congrats and like we still send love when the other one does something cool, no matter what. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that, that like, don't you see that we're our dads? I don't know your dad, yes, but don't you yes. see that we're our dads? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. it's, it's just like, it's embarrassing. About when we were young, we loved conspiracy theories. We were so elastic and fluid and emotional. And as much as I want to be emotional and open hearted and stuff, why do I also have those relationships that are just a little yeah. bit stuck? Yeah. Yet you, I have friends, I, you know, it's not important to mention their names, but it's like, we won't necessarily be there for each other. I say all the time, comedians are terrible friends and I'm, I'm open about that. And I can also be a terrible friend. We're there for each other. If it's like, Hey, I got a part in a movie. I yeah. want to do this. Can, can you help me with that? But like, you might call them, during a quarantine uh, and they don't answer and you're like, yeah. where the fuck are you? Like, I know you're there. <laughs> right. I know you're there. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah. There's somebody that I love that I've called like four or five times during this and they've never called or texted back. And that's so normal. And no, maybe, that shit happens. And maybe that shit happens. And I've been both people. I've been both people. I've also recently had a reconciliation with a friend of mine 
where he pointed out that I was doing that to someone. And I was like, Oh yeah. my God, I'm that to them. So like, this is not, you know, I can't really throw stones here, but is no. That- and it's also not like a thing, you know, is necessarily happening. It's not like That's you right. get up every day and they're like, well, I'm, I'm glad this is, I uh, know. And I'm glad we're still frozen out and not on speaking terms. Yes. Just let sleeping dogs lie. No, it's just life goes fucking on. Yeah. And, and once in a while you're reminded and you're like, ah, fuck. Well, you know, but, but you're also, you know, a proud, stupid man. So blah, blah, blah. That's right. This is why we, I'm a big fan of therapy and I'm a big fan of therapized language and stuff. And it seems necessary in this modern world where somebody comes in and goes like, like Kramer to Jerry and Elaine, don't you see you guys are in love? You know what I mean? Like, don't you see? No, it's true. No, there, there is, I, I think that I, I, you know, I, and I still feel shame for having a shrink, but I also feel like everyone should know that it's can be the best thing in the universe that like, yeah. if you're, if your back is fucked, you'd go to a guy to get your back unfucked. And so like, if you've got shit, you know, you also can't ask that of all of your friends and all your family all the time. There's like there, cause you know, that's, that's, that's not always their job, man. And, right. and sometimes it's good to have somebody you can talk to who can kind of sort it out with you. Dude, the Catholics, again, I didn't grow up Catholic. I missed out on all of the liturgical, meaning just like right. ceremonial faiths. Right. And I didn't get confession. And right. just, like I, I was reading something recently about uh, my, uh, one of my homeboys, Richard Rohr, is a priest. And he said that he knows so many therapists that envy the priest confessional relationship when it's pure because people right. just need to go in and when they know the rules and they're like, they can apply the, the label. Well, you're a yeah. man of God. You can't say anything. They can go yeah. in like I uh, tied up my dick and looked at a the Serena <laughs> meow mix cat again. I came so hard. I don't know if I want to fuck a cat. And then they go on with their lives. Like, we yeah, need it. You need, absolutely. Like, like on The Sopranos, he says it's like taking a shit. And she says, I prefer childbirth, which I think is a really funny. <laughs> but we have these things we need to let out. Absolutely. And I think that like, because they're going to come out no matter what. Better they come That's out when... Right. <laughs> so better they come out in a situation where you're aware of it and you're fucking in control of it. That's because right. it will work its way out and it's going to come out in a way... Sometimes it'll work itself out subconsciously. You just see people who uh, recede uh, as they get older, and yes. and they just get crabbier and crabbier, and and um, and that you know that doesn't that doesn't pay off in the long run. You know what we call that in my tradition? Uh, we call that hell. That's called hell. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, the anthem of hell is I can do everything on my own. The, yeah. I have all the answers. I don't need anybody. That Correct. is the hell that we create here. I um. Dude, oh, the other thing, Richie Roy, you were just saying this. Richie Roy says, if you don't uh, transmute your pain, you'll transmit your pain. So it's like spot on. Spot there's on. No, there's no choice. My yes. dad is still embarrassed that I go to therapy. Every time yeah. I mention it, he's yeah. embarrassed and uncomfortable. And I'm like, don't you like everybody knows your shit, dad, because you yeah. give it to us. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I mean, you're a professional. It's not like 
you can either be John Wayne and be quiet and just like you die and everyone goes, he didn't have any problems. We all fucking know your problems. Yeah. There's- by the way, John Wayne was a pretty unhappy man. Like, yeah. you know, so, so it's like, yeah, well to use your dad as an example, it's like, dad, when's the last time I fucking lashed out at the whole table and started giving everybody a talking to like, I, right. you know, that, that's why I go do it. That's right. I do it so I can be a good human. If you don't <laughs> shit in front of your therapist, you're, gonna do it at legal seafoods in burlington massachusetts no shit you're gonna <laughs> fucking fuck up everyone's day yeah there's no secrets Just, you, here's, no. here's the lesson you can choose where you let let that out and honestly nothing, i love talking to val i love talking to val that's my wife all the time but after she has therapy it's the best time to talk to somebody yes. that just it's like having a housekeeper they yep. didn't I used to think therapists gave you advice or something. They just listen. Yeah, like honestly. Somebody that just goes like, okay, I heard you. So you've been going for a while? Since, uh, yeah. Well, I had like, yeah, I, I uh, seriously, since I was like 24. Uh, so about 14 years with the same uh, same doctor. And um, wow, that's yeah, it's amazing. And, and it's like... And it, like anything, you get what you put in. So it's as uh, a much a part of my life as I want it to be. But I also know that like I wouldn't still be working in this business if it wasn't for him and 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 the sort of process that we have, you know. And because like I was about to quit, and it was my manager who was like, "Okay, I get that. You know, uh, it could, acting business could suck. So why don't you just go see a shrink? And if you still want to quit." Good. But just, I just want to make sure that if you're quitting, you're quitting for the right reasons, not just because you're freaking out over something right now. Because something undealt with was manifesting as quitting. Yeah. I was having, I was like getting like six panic attacks a fucking day. And I was like, I had anxiety disorder. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like an undiagnosed, like chemical, uh, you know, deficiency in my brain. Um, and I had gone through a bunch of shit that I, that needed sorting out. And, you know, being out in pilot season three years in a row, trying to win bread to bring home to, you know, pay for cover my, my mom's rent and shit. Like, you know, that stuff would weigh on me. And eventually I just like, I, I, I started freaking out. And, um, Where are and, we in your career? Forgive me, but that's what I know. About yeah. You. Yeah. No, is sure. This, this is, up this is pre, this is after, this is sort of, after undeclared uh but before um the movies and stuff so it, this is like i was like i did this uh lawyer show with don johnson called just legal that uh history has forgotten uh but that <laughs> that motherfucker is the coolest um i as uh, don johnson one of the best people i've ever worked with in this yeah, business is don johnson sons uh, and, and I'm and and nobody deserves it more, man. That guy, yeah. I I I I I'd go to the bat for that. That's not no. Go to the mat uh, for that guy anytime. Um, but yeah, I was about twenty three, twenty four, and I don't know if people know this. What what pilot season is? But there back when back when there was like fall television, they where you would air an episode, and if people liked it, they would make more of them um but they would cast all of those in the springtime and so uh, you know it's called pilot season and so i and i never wanted to commit to being in la full-time so i just like come out for finite periods like pilot season and 
all Canadians or a shitload of Canadians stay at the same hotel during pilot season. And, <laughs> and, and it's called the Highland not, Gardens. I was going to say not the Oakwood. I, 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 not the Oakwood. This is the Highland Gardens uh, on Franklin beside the Magic Castle. And oh, okay. little neighborhoods develop in the hotel based on what part of Canada you're from. But, um, uh, um, <laughs> and, yeah, it was. And, and like, I never went to university, but it was what I understand a dorm life to be that's like. That's the best part of college. I mean, that's, yeah. I, and that's not code for partying. I'm, if there's something I miss about it, it was the forced community of it. Yeah, it was cool. And we all just had our doors open all the time and we just like went from room to room and blah, blah, blah. But, but that was the fun side of it. The sort of like harsh or hard for me to deal with side of it was like, yeah, I didn't, I wanted to be back home and auditioning fucked me up. And, and like just the act of being there stressed me out, let alone like when I went to LA, I didn't know how to drive. I'd never left, lived alone, all this different stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm on the other side of the continent. I have to learn how to drive. I'm have to navigate. So it's not like my first time outside the house, I was navigating a neighborhood that I knew or even a city that I knew my first time living alone was in fucking LA which yeah. like you know that's that's there's a quite a learning curve man um yeah. and and pre uber pre i mean you call oh, a cab you're looking at 45 minutes easily easily <laughs> and 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 i'd have to like give my entire credit card number if i didn't get if i didn't if i was unfortunate enough to not have cash on me i'd be like i pay my visa give the whole number then you'd have the cool ride where the whole time being like now, did dispatch tell the driver I paid credit? Because he's not going to be happy when he finds out, because yeah. then it's always cash is better. Yes, I know cash is better. I agree. If I had some, I'd give it to you. I called your dispatcher, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, 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 and so I started, like, I stopped just calling and just started walking. Like, I'd go to an audition at, like, the Sony lot, and I'd be staying up at, like, fucking Fairfax and Beverly, and I'd be like, well, what am I going to do? Call a taxi to Sony? There's fucking 500 people milling about here. I'm, and I'm going to wait 45 minutes and then try to find a cab that may never come. So then I'll just walk home. So I just walked 90 minutes home. And, uh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do that when I first moved to LA because I came from New York. I would look at the map and I'd be like, well, the post office is only a mile and a half away. And you'd walk and like, you just get like a sunburn in the first two blocks. No one, it's like Mad Max or something. It was, yes. People would look at you like, what are you doing out here? Yes. Don't Every time, here. every car that passed me, people would crane their necks out like, Oh God, is he in trouble? You know, like, and I, and, and then there, like you said, there's the elements to contend with. I remember like halfway through that walk from the Sony being like, Oh yeah, that's sunstroke. I think yeah. this is where I die. This is yeah. the, uh, this is where my great saga ends. What in, in the interest of, of other people, there's lots of people listening. I'm sure that deal with anxiety and, and panic. And I, I've dealt with more than, well, I'm going to say my fair share. I don't want to say more. Yeah. Um, what was a panic attack like? Was it the kind where you thought you were going to die? Um, so I didn't know what it was. Um, it reminded me of everything bad I'd ever felt. So that's the um, worst thing I've ever heard. It's that's so the it's like of a I, book I don't want to read. Everything <laughs> bad I've ever felt. So the best way I can say it is like so. My big phobia and still is uh, throwing up. 
And uh, I like I have a big thing about vomiting, and I have a big thing about fucking roller coasters, and the two things obviously uh, like each other. Um, Can you so walk me that, through? Sorry, I know you're on a roll, but you're not going to forget <laughs> why. Why throwing up? Okay, so throwing up, it, it, <laughs> I refuse to do it. I will go to great like Herculean lengths to avoid it um, because I had one, two really, really fucking heavy bouts of food poisoning one when i was 12 off a of fucking souflaki um when you get sick off a of greek food buddy that's a kind of sick you like that that's like that's a war without end man that's like i i um i remember logic to deal with the trauma <laughs> of food poisoning they created let me tell you bad tzatziki sauce fucks you up in a way that like nothing ever has and i just like remember babysitting my sister watching the indian in the cupboard and just like going super dizzy and being like god the radiator's blaring why is it so hot and i was like okay i gotta go to bed taylor and i was like i'm babysitting her i shouldn't go to bed i was like you have no choice interior, you know and, and I, I got halfway down the hall and just puked in the hallway and like and then it didn't Whoa. stop for five fucking days um Whoa. so it was traumatic just just sheer trauma and then and then at like 21, 22, 23, as I started, started kind of rationalizing that maybe, maybe throwing up is just what needs to happen sometimes and haven't <laughs> had to, had to do it a few times. I was like, not okay with it, but getting there. And then I ate a fucking hot turkey sandwich and uh, Cavendish oh. Prince Edward Island right before I got an airplane. And by the, before I landed, buddy, I, uh, I put about two liters in the airplane toilet. There's... <laughs> There's a, four air cadets were flying from PEI to Montreal for some big meet, and they were sat right beside the the bathroom. and And I got into the wash. I like I woke up next to mom on the airplane. I said, "Mom, I'm going to puke." And I go to the bathroom, and as soon as I get in the bathroom, we have now started our final descent to Montreal. And, oh God, no! And I'm just trying to get her going because I know I can't stop now. Stewardess starts banging on the door, and I'm like, ah! I, I'm trying to say one second, but all I can get out is, ah! and I just fucking, and then I'm going hard, hard, hard. And now I'm just like trying to like tie it up so I can get out there and not fucking get arrested. And I'll never forget opening, and I open the door, and the stewardess who had up to that point had like clearly been leaning to hear what was going on. And then she sees me, and I had burst a fucking blood vessel in my eye and I think I must have still had something on my face because oh, she God. like she went ah, ah, and she did this like take backwards like she almost fell backwards away from me and I just remember the four air cadets staring at me and I was like yeah this is the face of war <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that's why I can't puke yes no, I can't puke great. I won't <laughs> I puked I think I've told this story on the podcast recently but I had I forget why it was something I ate or something and we were driving, me and my opener, Lara, were driving to a show in, I forget where, it doesn't matter, San Diego or something. And I got to the, she had to drive because I was focusing. You know when you're focused, I know you do. Yes. When you're focusing with, <laughs> as you said, Herculean focus, just don't peek. Like, at a certain point, I couldn't even talk to her or open yeah, my yep. eyes because all I was nope. doing was not puking. She drove me to Holiday Inn or whatever it was, and I get in. I'm holding crackers and a bottle of Coke because I'm a sick person and I can't even look at the person 
And I get into the elevator, and as soon as I got in the elevator, I had to. It wasn't like, <laughs> oh, good, I can puke. I'm in an elevator. <laughs> Finally, no. I puked, yeah. and I had to call down. And I oh, said, God. I'm so sorry. I threw up. I, and when I got in the room, I ran to the toilet, too. And I called yeah. down. I was like, I'm so sorry. I threw up in the elevator. And she's like, oh. She goes, well, it happens. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> And she goes, "What room are you in?" And I'm like, "What uh, name to who?" She's got to charge you. She's got to charge you for the cleaning, buddy. I'm, that is not the Canadian way. That would have never happened <laughs> in old Montreal. It wouldn't have happened in regular Montreal. It was a shame. I, I'm with you. I hate it. But it, it, so you were saying that panic attacks would. Oh, just to say so. So that thing you feel in your body as you're going, if you don't like a roller coaster and you're, you're going up that ding, 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 and you're about to go over the fucking hump or the, the, that, that classic 45 seconds before vomit finally leaves your body. That's when you're like, just that's God's country right there. So, so that's like that, that kind of, and if you've ever been dizzy in public, so that sense of disassociation, which in its own right is fucking scary, because the way I said it to people is if, if regular life feels like a movie, when I, when I have a panic attack, everyone turns into photographs and, and I'm aware of it. And then I'm aware that I must look crazy. And then I'm aware of everyone staring at me, which obviously just, you know, uh, all kind of conspires to keep fucking me up. So it's heart racing. Um, dizzy i was always got super dizzy and and a sense of uh, of impending dread like oh yeah this is a heart attack oh i'm about to die yeah and and it's this like and i had trained myself how to get out of it before i found a shrink where i would like just slap myself in the face i'd say the alphabet backwards and then all of my vital info and that worked for about a month and a half and then I remember the moment where it stopped working. I was auditioning for Danny Boyle um, for uh, Sunshine. And I was like so psyched because Train Spotting was, still is, one of my favorite films. Um, and I'm a big Celtic fan. And I know he's a Celtic guy. So I wore, I wore a Celtic jersey to the fucking, to the audition. And when he found out I was from Montreal, he just wanted to brag that he got Godspeed You Black Emperor to license the song for 28 days later or 28 weeks later, the first one um, days and how like, you know, they're amazing. That's a Montreal band. They don't give music to anybody and they gave it to my movie. And so I was like, oh, my God, we're gelling. And he noticed, oh, this is great. But then my body was like, oh, yeah, he knows you're crazy. He can tell you're crazy. He can see you're freaking out. He can... And I'm starting to go dizzy. So I'm like, go to the washroom, go to the washroom. I was like, guys, can I just run to the washroom before we start? And I'm in the washroom and a splash of water and I'm slapping and I'm saying vital info in the alphabet and nothing's fucking working and I'm aware that like I'm now longer than a piss in there I'm now longer than a shit any longer they'll be like what's he doing drugs in there or something like that and I'm like oh fuck I can't do this I have to get out I have to get out but I can't go in there and I, and I forced myself out of the bathroom and I went back to the audition room and I remember I went to go grab the doorknob and my hand like froze and I had to physically grab I put my left on my right and thrust my right on top of the doorknob and forced myself to open the door and then gave arguably the world's shittiest audition um, in any language. I, I, I just, I, do you remember, do you remember the guy, the micro machines guy? I think his name was oh, John sure. Mashita, the fast talking guy. Well, sure. Yeah. So I just like the Dunkin Donuts guy. 
He actually does. And <laughs> I did it. I did it in that meter. I did it in micro machines meter. I just wanted to get the fuck out. of there. Was it like a monologue that you could like, just? no, through? it was a back and forth. And so it's like with, with like good bits and a good audition that you kill for and stuff for me like show what i could do and i'm just like yes sir 100 percent. well i suppose it all started when i was a kid and i you know whatever the fuck it was but i just was uh, like get the fuck out get the fuck out oh man. oh no man oh man Where's, brutal info, and- <laughs> i've had psychedelic trips where i've had to say you are a citizen of this earth you like you are a citizen of this planet <laughs> So that sounds vaguely familiar. Was that what it was? You're like, my name is Jay Barishaw. I'm from <laughs> No, I would say my full name. I would say my full name, my date of birth, the, the, the hour and minute that I was born at, uh, where I grew up, all the schools that I went to, the names of all my friends and family. I would just go through everything I could to sort of calm myself down and, and bring me back to reality. I don't know what it was, but it yeah. sounded like the horrible, fucking was, horrible, oh, horrible. The simulation's breaking. Yes. So you're like reminding yes. yourself, the, I'm in yes. this play. I'm in this play. <laughs> like I belong. Correct. Here. Correct. Like it, did you, yeah, you ever? I don't know if you ever. You know the the Christopher Durang play, an actor's nightmare, where uh, this guy walks out on stage and doesn't realize he's in a play, and everyone else does, and everyone else knows lines that he doesn't know what the fuck is happening, and then he keeps going from play to play to play, and then eventually gets killed. Uh, but that's like that was my pilot season, play. effectively. I I can't see a play without having the actor's nightmare for months. I still have it. Although I am happy to say that now I'll have it and I'll go, I don't need to be in this play. No, I, yes, I know exactly what you mean. I go, I don't, uh, it doesn't matter. Fuck you. I don't need this play. Absolutely. No, because I did one because I starred in a play in a very, and it was a really great play and a great production and everyone in it's fucking awesome. And, and yet, so I basically, I'm saying I'm doing a play that's as good as I can find in terms of how proud I feel, how psyched I am to do it, how engaged I am, where I'm doing it, all this stuff. I, this is as good as I can get. And yet, every single night, as I go and look through the curtains and see everyone filing into their seats, I'd be like, you dumb motherfucker. Nobody told you to do this. No one's holding your, a gun to your mother's head. You know, there's no guy in a balaclava like, you have to fucking act in a play or your family disappears. Yeah. Like, you chose to do this. Yeah. You put yourself here, asshole. Yeah. Was the rush greater, though? Because what I'm never. learning... No! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely never. I was proud. Very good rush. Stress always beat it. Really? What a nightmare. For me. For me, yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate that. Because yeah. I'm realizing, like, this whole thing is, is making me realize that I have all these introverted qualities. But then yeah. I realize that when I'm extroverted and do something, if I, if I write a script or I, I put myself out there and get feedback and it's good, the rush is what I'm addicted to. I love that. That's yeah. why I'm introverted. I actually yeah. can tie it back to growing up in a childhood that sort of forced me to perform to make right. things sort of copacetic. I'm not trying to make things uncomfortable or deep. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, I was same, like, oh yeah, my my family. Same here, I of, think. Is that right? Because I'm yeah, totally, same here. I think for sure. Yeah, you had to. Like, I think yes. performers. It sounds like we're gonna to use your word gel on this. I love performing. And there's a part of me that's like, I resent that you're having me do this. Like you are <laughs> awakening 
my dysfunction <laughs> for your yeah. pleasure. And yet yep. there's another part of me that loves it and I get all this meaning out of it. Um, yeah. The point is, I th- speak to that. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, you're, you're, you're completely right. And I think that's just like, <sighs> for a good person, nothing should, nothing is devoid of shame. <laughs> I, I, I like honestly i i think like well because there are people that don't have that there are people that never once question or feel weird about doing something feel unnatural being lauded feel it there are people that never feel unnatural being the center of attention there are people that never that feel that that's their right place and that that's all you know and those are people to fear to me. I, 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 I like to me. So reluctant. Sociopathic. It can, it can, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I want my, I want my um, politicians and yes. Yes. rock stars to be reluctant. I, I, I want exactly them right. to know better, to know how fucked it is, to, to, to suffer all of the bullshit to create, to create in spite you. of it, right? Like, because there are people, I'll see actors, you know, like a red carpet to me is a pretty telling fucking laboratory. And there are people that, like, thrive on a red carpet. Yeah. And then there's me. And I'm like, <laughs> this is like a root canal meets a CAT scan. Like, this yeah. is just like, you know, and, and, and thank fuck. Like, if I start liking... Yep talking about myself and having people take my picture and shit what the fuck use am i you know i'm not going to have anything good to say or do or you know and and i'll be you know anyway that's what uh gary shandling uh the great late great gary shandling said to jerry seinfeld they were at a party uh and he goes when am i going to feel comfortable at a party i'm 40 something years old why am i not comfortable at a party and seinfeld said uh gary the day you're comfortable at a party is the day you're not funny and I was like, yeah, that spot on. I've never related to like, um, is it Billy Lee Roth, Tommy Lee Roth? Like those David Lee metal, Roth, David yeah. Lee Roth, yeah. those hair metal guys yeah. that were just like jumping with guitars and stuff. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong, yeah. I had a showboat in me, but like there's got to be, I think you and I might be similar. If I'm trying to bond with somebody or connect with them, I want to know that they're. Yeah. Uh, feeling conflicted and anxious, yes. feeling aware. Yes. Like, are you aware yes. or are you just showing me, are you faking with me? Are you showing me Correct. your puppet? Because your puppet fucking Yeah, because you're either yeah. bullshit. Yeah, you're either bullshitting me or you're Patrick Bateman. You know, yeah. like you're, you're either American Psycho or you're a fucking huge phony, not to sound too fucking Caulfield. But like, I, I honestly think that that shit still, man, I, I'll just, it's like this. I, I don't know that that's how I treat everybody, but I am constantly reminded of that, that all the people I care about and like the most and people who I think have the most uh, best stuff to say, you know, those are all people that constantly worry and yeah. feel fragile. And, and I don't mean fragile like weak. I mean fragile in the scope of the world and existence, right? Like I, I here, here's, a, here's a hoity-toity fucking thing. Um, I don't know if it's Burroughs or, uh, or, or, or Ginsburg, but w- w- one of them – describes Dylan Thomas as being about the the rage of the individual against all of creation. Like mm. 
that's the whole thing, man. That's what I want. And when someone is fine with all of it, and yeah. and and more to a point, fine with all of it, and then writing songs about that, like you know, love letters to the status quo. Fuck you, man. What is any of that bullshit? That's like on The Simpsons, uh, the band Hooray for Everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there was all that. And even though I am a cheery guy, and you're you you come off cheery. You, you I am indeed. I, I hope that. I, I'd like to think we have this in common that that we're empathetic people. Like people like yes. to project onto you, I feel his pain. Like that's why it's fun yes. to watch you get your heart. Definitely. But seems to be. I enjoy, I enjoy uh happy stuff, good stuff. But like in my car, I love I'm listening to Radiohead. My favorite band is the yes. National. Like and yeah. when I interviewed Matt from the National, we talked specifically about how embarrassing it is to be a rock star. That's my rock star. I need a rock star going like that's stupid. It's really stupid yes. that people think I'm uh, the coolest guy in the world because, in fact, there's a great national quote. They're like, our band became popular when we started putting our insecurity into the music instead of right, yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, right. that's the band for me. And this is why, and this is why Kurt Cobain and Nirvana fucking got pole position over GNR man is because like you're right I never related to Axl Rose I couldn't get in (laughs) keep going and I I, and I and I love. Don't get me wrong. I love GNR and 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 hell of a fucking singer Axel is. And there's only one. God bless all that shit. I just You're absolutely. You're afraid of Axel Rose. You're afraid of a shiny face. <laughs> you think he's gonna come for you? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Honestly, not. Because, because, well, actually, I'm only a degree of separation from the dude. He wasn't. He was on my guest list for the Sorcerer's Apprentice premiere. But that's another story. No shit. You're gonna, gonna write time. that down. But, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> it's only three letters but but, but but i think that like yeah man it was it was just like in kurt and and maybe there was bullshit maybe that's just a practiced better more current form of bullshit so that it doesn't seem like bullshit but either way and not that i'm not trying to say axel's bullshit because i certainly don't think he was but it was a swagger and a bravado that would be terribly alien to a lot of people and you like so you either want to be him or you see yourself in him and i and 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 i can't be either of those things because you know because like even if i'm like even if i hate myself i still want to be me right Right. that's interesting i think axel i have to imagine any performer like that and let's let's take him out of it because i'm afraid of axel i'm just saying there has to be something they're leaning into Absolutely. One of, the, one of the ways that I try, I know it's weird to try and have compassion for Trump, but I have to go like, he has to be on some level going, what does this guy do? You know oh. what I mean? That, that's, that's just one of the ways that I feel. Oh, no, it's performative. It's, it, it's very performative. Um, and, but by the, like, and, I, and I get that. The danger to me is that's why most countries, and I don't know if this is a subject that will take us too far off course, but most countries, as I understand it, have a sort of figurehead and someone that runs the legislative. So they have somebody that can do the performative shit, but then they have a schlub to run the fucking place, right? That's right. That's and, and and so like so something I got shit for, or like when I would work in the states, people would be like, "You guys have a queen? That's so that's crazy. That's quaint. That's ridiculous." Blah blah blah. And I say, "Well, is it ridiculous though? Because I'll tell you what I've never heard." <laughs> 
in my country is you have to support the prime minister. That is not a sentence anybody would ever say. And I heard scores of rational, smart Americans say, well, you just got to support the president. No, you fucking don't. He yeah. works for you. And, in a, and, and, and so and there barely. is no cult of personality, really. <laughs> yes. Yes, seriously. Like, and, and so, yeah, we have a monarch, but our monarch is a purely symbolic thing. So it can be performative. That's what its place is. That's right. We don't need that in legislation. That's right. I, I to, I, when we were talking about 9-11, I was thinking about my dad, who's a Democrat, although I don't think they're anything. I don't know if you have no or no parents <laughs> like that. I'm like, I don't believe you guys believe anything. I think you're just sort of like, <laughs> what do I say? What was Kennedy? <laughs> Kennedy was a Democrat. And my mom's like, I'm religious. What are religious people? Republican? Like, I really, I don't buy it. I'd say that to their fucking face. I absolutely <laughs> would say it and they would laugh. That's, that's their good side is they like right. roasting. Right. But during at nine 11, remember there was the reelection. George Bush yep. was up for reelection. And my father, yep. who, you know, was a Democrat, is a Democrat. I don't know. He goes, you don't change horses midstream. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, there you that, go. That's where we got there you go. afraid of the horse midstream thing during, even though this is, a Oh, it's almost inevitable. You can't change more. Like you gotta keep yeah. it the same. And I, I, dude, that's I, how it happens, and that and that's how it happens, and it happens in drips. Um, and and it's like, it, I don't want to say it's inevitable, but it it certainly it certainly seems to be heading that way. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and and it it is because bad guys will always will always use that. They'll always mortgage the present against the future. They'll always say like, yeah, you're right. Of course, we should all be nice to each other. We should do legal things. You should be able to say whatever you want. Absolutely. But let's be honest. Okay. We're, everything's on fire. There's garbage everywhere. Like, so just shut up for a second. Let's clean this up. Right. Like that's, that's right. how it happens. That's always how it happens. You know? Yeah. So I, had, I wonder if you, I'm really, I'm not even saying this to you as a, as a uh, director, producer, writer, actor, I literally just had uh, for fun an idea where I was like, you know, like the Koch brothers and all the, all the super rich are always sort of like, I don't really know much about them, but are kind of evil skewing, right? Yes. Sort of like it's going Cor- correct. <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. Oh, it's the diet Koch brothers that are good. The, the Koch brothers are evil. But I had this, uh, I said this to my friend, he was like, that's a movie idea where I was like, I, I was like those multi multi billionaires are like, of course we know we're evil. What poor people don't realize is there has to be evil. Like the world is a balance of good and evil and poor people can't afford to be evil because they have to meet the basic needs. So we're just picking up the slack. We know we're evil, but the, what you don't know is that the world needs evil. And I, yeah. I don't know what to do with that, but it seems kind of funny. Imagine if there's a lot of people like, that we know we're evil. Like, but oh, we're I absolutely an ancient game here that requires Yang to your yin. Like, I'd I think you're be, spot. You think I wouldn't like to make thirty-five grand and be a teacher and just watch Netflix and be a nice person? <laughs> but I have a hundred billion dollars. I gotta fuck shit up. <laughs> I actually think that there's like a precedent for what you're saying too. Like, I, I, I think some of them do know that and accept that and think they're justified in it. Yeah, I think I, that I think like there is some truth to it. People think that sociopathy is an evolutionary trait, that we need them to fulfill things that we wouldn't, you know, like, so for example, good guys can't win wars without sociopath generals. 
Um, okay, so funny? so. I was right? watching and your movie and, and the coach, uh, sorry, it's called Goon. I almost said Creed, yeah. like Goon. <laughs> and the coach says, this is the guy that'll do anything for a win. He's the guy that owns the team. And I was right. like, wow, I'm sort of like a weird thinker. I, I project depth into everything. Although I do. No, but, it's like, yeah. that's our mythology as a country. Yes. It's like, you don't want, it, it goes to our food. You don't mm. want to know how they're killing the animals. It goes to our politics. You don't want to know where our wars are and where our fires are. You want Netflix, you want a truck, you want a blowjob, and you want a ham sandwich and shut the fuck yep. up. And they're like, Will, don't worry. It's like a House of Cards where he strangles the dog in the first scene. Oh, I don't, I've never actually seen it. It's, dude, it's a great pilot. Uh, so the way they introduce Kevin Spacey's character is there's a dog that gets hit by a car. It's not a spoiler. It's like 30 years old. Oh, right. You're right. I've seen that scene. And yes, yes, yes. And he goes and strangles it. And he basically he does what has to be done. Making. He's like, I do the evil shit that you yes. don't want to do. And that's, yeah, ab, no, abso fucking lootly. And I'd say that, um, yeah, Team America World Police is an entire movie that's that sort of apologism for that school of thought as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, no, it, ab, it absolutely is. And I would go one further in what you're saying about people want Netflix, they don't want, you know, sausage guts. I would go so far as to say the quest for convenience is going to be was one of the will be viewed as one of the deciding factories of the story of western civilization think yes. about the british empire and it was based around the quest for salt and curry and tea and sugar nobody needs any of those things yeah, right and so good and and america can carry that saying. tradition right <laughs> yeah Dude, that's so good we should be evil <laughs> Let's be but, evil. Oh, that's, that's the a, movie. You and me decide we're going to be evil. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. And just fucking give in and fuck off and fucking yeah. just own it. And, yeah, and we I don't mean, even want to do it. That's what makes it compelling. Is it's you and me and we don't want to do it, but we're like, this is what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, you were Oil's saying, a though, continuation of that. Uh, you were saying, uh, were you done? Well, just saying oil would be a continuation of that sort oh, of oh, oil, quest, oil. quest 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 for convenience it, it has been it's less about it's less about control than it is about the the quest for convenience um for yeah. for, for for northern whites you know I think what's interesting though is now the convenience is at, at its peak uh I don't know if you know this is sort of like a spiritual podcast I don't mean to force it um but Ramdas has this uh, Ramdas is a great teacher of mine and he, yeah, he said like yeah. what's interesting is does meeting your needs make you any happier than not meeting your needs? And, right. and, and he, he means superficial needs. Yeah. And now that you can, you know, back pre quarantine, obviously you could sort of get anything you ever wanted. Yep. You could curate your experience, your, your, your specific life. And dude, as soon as you can put on a VR helmet and have sex with any celebrity or anybody with enough photos of themselves on Facebook with something yep. hooked up to your dick that simulates sex, this is like, I make this point all the time, uh, but you're having your needs met by people who don't give a shit about you. Yeah. And we're finding out it's sort of awakening a deeper, I'm going to say a soul yearning huh? yes. for something more, for more meaning, for more Absolutely. connection. I'm saying hell is literally the guy getting all his meals delivered, watching streaming entertainment and having his dick sucked by a robot. That's hell. And yeah. the, it's actually the advent of, of convenience that's making us realize that having your basic or your animal needs met isn't actually a fulfilling life. 
No, and I, I, I and I think every junkie in an in an alleyway right. would agree with you. That's right. Because their their terribly uh, small list of needs is being met, and you know, at the moment that they're as high as a kite, I don't know that there's any place else they'd want to be. That's right. Um, but I also can't don't know that they would ever. I don't know how many of them describe themselves as happy. That's um, right. You know, and I, I think coming to terms as I get older. So I, I know you enjoy uh, weed, and so do I. But I have to watch it. Me personally, I, I have like yeah. an addict tendency. It's one of the, it's yeah. why I stopped drinking. But I was high recently, and I said to Val, I go, just because I feel good doesn't mean things are good. And that was a yeah, real right. breakthrough for me. I, again, yeah, this right. isn't anti-weed. And this isn't no, no, but I, I, that's you. a great, that's a good question though. I, 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 because you're right. That absolutely is true. The follow-up would be, um, does it make a difference? And I don't know that it doesn't. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think that that's all part of the relative, the, 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 Happiness is inherently relative, I suspect. I, I, I but, but, or, or, or is it? I don't know. Maybe, it, it may, yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't. I, I feel like I, I, I was just worried that I was stepping on your toes as, a, as an enjoyer of weed. Again, I am an enjoyer of weed. No, I but I, I'm also not to step on my uh, hoity-toity. <laughs> so that's very polite of us. But you're but, right. <laughs> there is a smoke them if you got them. Like what a what a privileged quandary for me to have to go like just because i feel amazing and i'm eating nachos but am i fulfilled that's a very high level uh conundrum yeah but i and again again i don't know like how many you know midlife crises there are in the developed world right and stuff and so so i yeah i it's a hard one because i i have i i I don't i can't it's not my job to know so it's okay that i don't know i don't know whose job it is to know also further to that but like i have a dad who died from a drug overdose and he was a drug addict his whole fucking life right so i know the ugliness of that shit i know what it does um my and i but i and i also know and this is where people think i'm terribly harsh i can't help it it is also terribly simple because every time dad got high, he made a decision to get high instead of being a dad. Simple. Really, really simple. Now, hard, that doesn't make it less hard. Right. But it's like, you know, it's like bowling. Uh, easy to learn, hard to master. That's fucking life, man. Easy to learn, hard to master. And I would say like, so, so he was not a happy man. And, and, and obviously, because if he was a happy man, he made, might not feel the compulsions that he that he felt right but i also know that he found moments of happiness in a shit life um and i don't want you know it's not my place to take those from him but i also know that at the end of the day i didn't ask to be born and if you're a dad you're a dad full stop that's like that's the the job is the job right like because my mother partied just as fucking hard but the day that my mother realized she was carrying me she quit cocaine and quaaludes cold turkey and didn't expect anyone to pat her on the back for it and just fucking went hard and did it because she was a woman because she was a, she was six of eight kids from an Irish Catholic house where the girls were told when you're 17, you move out and get a job until you find a man. Okay. So she's a, she's, she's somebody that never expected the world to give her anything. So no, so she's a mom. So she's not going to fuck about. 
right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so, but I also don't know the answer to what we were just talking about. About yeah, you're right. That is a it, it is it is a privilege to be able to take issue with one's happiness <laughs> and come yeah. for it. It's and but does, but, it, does it matter? Wrong. Yeah, but, but I, I'm challenged by your question because you're saying does it matter, which is right. like a pretty deep. <laughs> and i don't know man i'm like because because it's like because there are times where you'll be like this is as good a use of my time as any i feel a lot of guilt for how i spend my time sometimes like i'll want to read a book and i'll start reading a book i'll be like shouldn't i be doing something else I'm like, well, <laughs> what you know what but what else would i fucking do and, and how is it more valuable You're right so and it's really funny i just love and just the way you talk is just such a, such a unique way of being funny i, I really just want to come in the midst of this serious conversation i want to compliment you <laughs> thank you Chris. I, I, yeah. I feel similar i i i, I don't feel know a lot of guilt and I go through phases where I am reading and I am learning and I am expanding. And then I, I I'll be stoned for a week or something, especially during quarantine. I'm just talking about at night or whatever, but still yeah, it, it, it carries into the next day for me. I get big weed yeah. hangovers and I just, and then, then I'll have days where I'm like, who cares? What, what is a weed hangover? I'm just a little bit more simple. Like I'm a little like uh, quieter. I'm a little calmer. Isn't that good? Uh, and if I'm, and if I'm, for me, it's this, I remember this cause, cause so as my dad was an addict, my mother had very, and, and, and she fucking held up her end of the bargain. He didn't. So she had very severe opinions about substance. Mm-hmm. And so she effectively straight edge teetotal or without a name for it. And, um, scared her when she saw that I was smoking dope. And and I don't drink alcohol because I'm allergic. Thank fuck. My body won't let me ingest the stuff. I get terribly, terribly ill and fucked for, for days. So thank God. God bless me with that. I have never done any hard drugs whatsoever, and I won't because I grew up with a father who gave me Act 3 of the Drug Addict movie. I, I, never, I never had to do Act 1 where it's music, the montage. Yes. I never had to. It, it was never sexy because I had a father who wore had a deviated septum, wore a hole in his fucking nostrils from all the blow he did. Like yeah. the the like you know Ray Liotta looking for the helicopter. That's what I grew up like. So yeah. so that'll cure you of any interest, any any coke romance. Let me let me tell you. I mean, when I was doing crashing, I, I was watching Artie's nose deteriorate, and I say that with love right. for Artie. Right. But I didn't even realize. Of course, I was like, this is the biggest scared straight i i wasn't gonna do it anyway but i was like now you're like you have why would you ever why would you ever you know and and so but when i started smoking weed it freaked mom out and i understood that and i remember saying to her i was like mom and i said please answer honestly and if the answer is ever gonna be you know uh yes then i'll take this very seriously and i'll have to look at myself i said am i um am I a worse of a son to you? Have you felt me distant and, and, and not as close to you? And she said, well, no, no, if anything, it's been, we've been, we've kind of really connected the past few years. I said, okay, have I been a bad brother? And she said, no, I was like, have I shirked any of my obligations? I was like, have I ever not come when you needed me? Have I ever not done what's asked of me? And she said, no, I said, so then if I'm smoking pot and all that's true, what's the problem? And then she looked at me and she said, you know what? Some people can do it and be fine. And if you're telling me that this is your thing and it doesn't mess up, mess you up, I'll never ask again. Yeah. And that was that. I, I think that's wonderful. I'm only very lucky. <laughs> I'm actually bringing it up because I'm constantly at odds with it. When I interviewed uh, your family, Seth, we talked about it too. Cause I was like, yep. what is the relationship to have with this? Yeah. Um, 
But uh, the, the question of whether or not it's important to be happy, and I'm really just saying this to you because I'm really enjoying your mind and your perspective. I sort of think that each of us carries in us like uh, the, the light of God, right? Let's, yep. We can call it consciousness. Yes, 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 absolutely. So when you think about that, that, you know, the eyes that I look at you with are the eyes that first saw everything. There's only right. one set of eyes. Yes, yes. That is consciousness. There's only one. Sure. This, this is straight Old Testament Judaism. Mm-hmm. God yep. is one. It's one thing. Mm-hmm. I really tripped out on that because I was looking at my daughter and I was feeding her. And because she can't understand me, I, I, I'll say whatever I want to her. I, I said to her, I was like, I'm in your consciousness. I was yeah. like, she, she can see me. Yeah. She's my, this precious, unbelievable angel is looking yeah. at me. And then yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that's God seeing me. The thing yeah. that made everything, any happiness, any despair, all light, all darkness, is what's seeing through me, is what's seeing through my daughter, and is close to me and is so far from me. So, and I'm really just, I'm thinking it out loud, but I was like, uh-huh. so my enlightenment or my uh, conversion, I don't mean religious conversion, I mean my no, no. relationship with reality, uh-huh. God's relationship with reality. And I don't mean that in the egotistical way. Yeah, I'm not God in that way. But I was like, at that level, my fuck happiness I used to ask Ramdask if, if he was happy and he would, they'd all say they're uh, content. Yeah. They would, they wouldn't, no, no spiritual master worth their salt is chasing happiness because that's oh. a blowjob and an ice cream cone. And that's, we can measure that in your brain. We're looking yeah. at contentment. Yeah. And our contentment and our growth and our transformation and our redemption and our conversion, which can come by the way, Jay, it sounded like you had a beautiful conversion heart opening bonding heaven creating moment with your mother in regards yeah. to your enjoyment of weed so we are yeah. not being puritanical we're not no. judging anything no. but is the most important game in town which is sort of crazy when yeah. we start thinking about the the blockedness of other people and what yeah. we can do to open each other's hearts and, and to build bridges and all that sort of stuff is sort of in an existential way like who cares hundred years all new people thousand years no planet uh, right. but like, or is there something more ancient and primal going on? What does that make you think? Yeah, that's a terrific question. I, I think so. Well, first you said the thing about you having the same experience as God and, and then you were immediately worried that you sounded vain for saying that. And I, the first thing I thought of was, uh, this is a secondhand quote, so I'm going to quote someone else quoting something. And who I'm quoting is a bad guy from a movie. But in uh, in in, in <laughs> Cape Fear, in, in the in the Scorsese Cape Fear, which is one of my favorite films, um, Max Cady says he quotes uh, a, a scholar, uh, a Christian theologian from like the 17th century, and he says, um, "I am as large as God; he is as small as I." Yeah. And, and and I think that's kind of what you're saying. And and, getting and, to the paradox. That's yeah. it. I am and God I, and, and I, I'm not God, yes. I agree with that. And 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 also I'm someone that does believe in God. I, I put the word on it. I do. I, I, I wish I I wish it would be it would be uh I'd suffer way less shit from people if I didn't, but I tried being atheistic. I felt like I was lying to myself. Like those kind of choices. Yeah. 
those kind of choices you can't make, I don't think. They're made inside of you without you kind of being a part well, of it. The, like I, the poem, The Hound of Heaven. It's the idea that God or truth or the mystery, uh, what you're looking for is also looking for you. That, that's like that's one of the oldest ideas, yeah. I think, and I think there's something to that. And so I think when you asked, is it either of those things? Is it, is it something more or is it who gives a shit? We're all going to die in a hundred, we're, we're all dust in a hundred years. I think the answer is it's probably both. Like I, I think one of the things that really set my head on fire um, when I was uh, in my twenties was reading, I think it was a book called the Jesus papers and it was all about Gnostic Christianity. And it was about this time that Christ had spent in Egypt with uh, and, and absorbed Gnosticism. And it was an entire reexamination of everything Christ says in the New Testament, but through, through a Gnostic interpretation as opposed to a literal Western Christian interpretation. So it, rather than us making um, the story of us and Christ uh, a chronological thing that eventually we get to a judgment day and then the movie's over – it is that this is a process for each of us to undergo, that the kingdom of heaven is within each of us, that we're all... me? <laughs> so Everyone so, listening is like, usually this is where I'm like, I'm going to talk for a while. I'm so sorry. I couldn't be more interested. I'm loving it. Keep going. So this, it spoke to me because... Um, you know, the first few years you get high, you still have those classic, like, I can't tell you, I have no good, like, from the past five years for being like, man, I got so high that I, like, no, those stories don't exist when you're still, like, now. But all those good pot stories are from the first few years you smoke it. That's when, like, you know, your brain is still like, oh, my God, most of the world is water, man. It's not our planet. Like, whatever. And, and I remember the two friends of mine and I, got into one of those and it was about the meaning of life. And I swear to God, the fucking, the, where we landed that night still holds up and it has guided me the entire time since that night. So we, we basically were like, I was like, and then the zoom call crashes. You have to <laughs> tell me, tell me from Canada. <laughs> so it's, it, it speaks to what you were saying about, it's what you asked if it's either it's both. So to me, the meaning of life is really is purely to stay alive. Um, and everything we do is an effort towards that. You, you raise your kids so that they can raise kids so that they can raise kids. That is from a utilitarian bland alien looking down on us. The life exists to perpetuate itself. And this is true in vegetation, the animal kingdom, we exist to exist, right? So the meaning is to, is to keep fighting. And that tells me that everything we do in the world, in our life is an effort to, now this is going to sound dismissive or diminishing, but an effort to make that easier. And what I mean by easier is um, you, you, if your life is enriched, you have a, a, a better chance of sticking in it. And, and so you, we create art and we express ourselves and Yay. we get, and, and we crystallize, but it's all, it's all a function of our survival. So, so, and to me that cures, that cures sort of conservatives of the argument of art as unessential, right? And, and, and I'm not just saying like, oh, what about blah, 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 but I'm just saying like governments come and go, cultures come and go, the art continues right we still read stuff from greece and rome right and that's because that can help us succeed and survive it helped them so so to in me 
and stay. remain yeah. and stay and 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 the good stuff stays around because the good stuff is true and and so so i think it's like to answer your question are we worm food or is there something more it's both and yeah. i think that 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 were worm food should only make us more it but shouldn't it's, it's not a flaw in the system that we're worm food no That's no just, i'm so with you the system it's like of life and death of black and white of being non whatever it is yeah is the motor of the whole game well absolutely because we 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 how do we give how, how do we put value on things we put value on things that are rare or easily destroyable yeah. <laughs> are the most valuable yeah. so that should tell you everything man how <laughs> fucking fragile we are how shitty and easily destroyable we are is all the more reason to be awesome that's right ice cream wouldn't be as good like if i could make yes. non melting ice cream i don't think i don't think you would like it no, it would suck. It would honestly suck. Yeah, yeah. You don't I agree. That's no. so interesting. I was, I was just thinking about, well, I had Science Mike on, my friend Science Mike. And we were talking about in plant world, in the cellular world, in every world of anything living, he used the word yearning. Yes. Everything that is yearns mm-hmm. to be. And that is where I find it helpful to call that energy God. That's something that was wanted to be, which we don't have to debate because it is. You know what I mean? We're not being woo-woo. We're saying something is, and that isness wants to continue. And when people want to make that, going back to your Canadian queen, if you want to make it the old man in the sky, okay, fine. There's your symbol. Choose your symbol. You can have a different uh, godhead. But the energy and the yearning remains, and that is what we are a part of. But I've never heard someone articulate the idea that we create art and meaning and beauty to make it. Like, I'm a dad. I have a daughter. He made uh, Tiger King to make my life uh, more pleasant that I would stick around and raise my daughter. Right? Does that not make sense, though? Kind of? like, And and it was this silly 18-year-old pothead moment, but we were just like that actually might be it kind of, yeah. you know, cause I, you know, now what the fuck do I know? But I know that we are supposed to keep living if we can. And I know that now that doesn't mean I, I hate when people call suicide selfish. I understand why they do. I hate it when you put, when people say it, because like to be that low is, um, is, is a place no one wants to be. And, yeah. and to feel like if you've ever, um, you know, had your, your luggage not come off the carousel and you're just like, well, what the fuck do I do now? Right. Imagine that times a million and applying to every emotion you have, every relationship in your life, everything you've come to believe in, you have no way to move. So how could you fault somebody for wanting to end it? But I still know we're not supposed to. And and, that's why we call those things sins against God. I don't. Yes, I think so. But you're saying it's like against the yearning. Yes. The yearning wants to be, and we're supposed to help each other be. Yes. That's, that's yes. what and it's, it's, yeah. And every time someone offs themselves, it's, it's a failure on us um, or, because it, because it happened on our watch. Exactly. Or it lets them fall. Like we're, we're having that right now where people are like sacrifice the weak. I know it's oh, a minority. Yeah. This is not, I know tisk 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 is the right sound. That is a minority. That's a good headline. I don't believe millions of people believe that. They can't. That is, it's a good headline. It's a good photograph. Uh That's, that's my opinion. I I could be wrong. 
Uh, maybe I'm telling myself that to feel better, but that is a sin against the yearning. Let's say the agreed, yearning. agreed, and I and 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 I would sort of like to take this opportunity to say that the bulk of conservative um, thought is incompatible with Christianity. Sure. I, 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 I honestly, honestly believe that that's, that's, you know, everything that I learned in Catholic school. And in every time I went to church, um, dude, it's incompatible with capitalism. Yes. And, yes. and we are, we're yes. so capitalist. Remember when Trump was running, people were like, he's going to run it like a business. He is. He's running yes. it like a corporation. You don't want that. You don't, you want, don't that. want that because business, because Darwinism should have no place in how we treat each other. That's right. Right? Like that, that, this is why we don't live in the fucking woods anymore. That's right. Corporations, there was that Matt Damon movie, I forget what it was, but they, they proved the point that corporations behave like sociopaths. Yes, correct. You, if, if you're on life support, uh, do you want uh, a sweet grandmother to decide what we do, or do you want Walmart to decide what you do? We're like, let's let Wal- Walmart's going to look at the numbers. Are you producing? Are you like useful? Jesus didn't give a fuck about that. So no, if put- if anything, if anything, like going off the little we know of him. I would say, if anything, he would take a lot of issue with this. If he was overturning uh, games in the temple, I don't think he'd be real psyched um, with with preachers in uh, mega church, stadium sized churches that working class people are taking food out of their kids' mouths to to fund and having motherfuckers, you know. The handout, the shitty little stipend your government is going to give you, give that to me. Well, a special place in hell for those people, man. There's a spe- I'm sorry. I get, I, I, it, it, it really bothers me because I have tried my adult life to try to explain the Christianity that I was raised around. And at a certain point, I just stopped because I understand I, I can't. I can't express what I got from it because too much of that other stuff is out there. And yeah. I'll tell you that if I was to summarize all of my Catholic education, like sum up this, like what did we teach you? What's the big takeaway? I would have to say pacifism, number one, compassion, number one. They're all number one, but it would be fucking, you know, tolerance, <laughs> compassion, and pacifism. It would be all the tenets of fucking liberalism for and fuck's sake. complete six. irrational love. I, I was yes. just talking to somebody about the number. Without condition, without right. condition. Oh, dude, don't get me started on without condition. I don't know how we lost it. Uh, Christ falls over himself yes. telling stories that a child would understand where the punchline is always and they were loved anyway. By the way, the Old Testament has this as well. The book of Ezekiel, the story of Ezekiel is the story of Israel continually fucking up and God is like, the character of God is like, even though you fuck up, your punishment is grace. Your punishment is love. Punishment, of course, being a joke. It's, it's that you yeah. can't stop telling people the undeserving get it, the quote-unquote deserving get it. But it's also... All we care about is winning. And yeah. the mascot of the religion that we claim is a guy that was murdered on a crime. Yeah. He's, yeah. It's, it's, the point is to show us someone losing in the Correct. way that we understand and saying, that's not losing. The first or last, the poor in spirit or rich. Uh, yes. Poor in spirit, meaning people that don't have so much going on in them that they know who they are, that they have something that can be poured into them. That's what yeah. poor in spirit means, by the way. But, yeah, right. But we all we care about is winning. We have no compassion for losers. 
look at how much Trump loves losers. You know, I mean, the I word losers. That is our cultural mythology. And what sucks is man. like now, if you, if you, if you, and and to preach against that is is um, to imply weakness, which is so. Which is the that's another sort of sophist line that's been fed to people hook line, and people have swallowed it hook line and sinker that I hate, which is that like. <sighs> Being kind in no has no connection to how fucking hard you are. All right, let me like 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 some of the most mild men I've known in my life are the guys that I would never want to fuck with. Yes. Like my 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 grandfather Robert Ropel killed Germans in Europe for six fucking years. Okay. My mom grew up in a house where granddad had a dagger with a swastika on the handle. She never had the balls to ask him where she got, where he got it. Cause she knew he lifted it off a fucking German that he killed. Okay. Yeah. And like, and this is a man that never raised his hand to anybody, never yelled at anybody, mild, mild, punctual, and 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 complimentary to a fault he would ne- you know and 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 now it's like and and by the way this used to be a terribly american virtue what i don't understand is like in 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 the great patrimony of american heroes few guys loom larger than teddy okay teddy roosevelt is 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 like fucking hercules for you guys and i get it right and and was it not teddy who said walk softly carry a big stick right isn't that the right right okay what happened to fucking walk softly? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that used to be the whole point. We're, we're, we're going to, because we're better than the old fucking bloated dictators, authoritarian God kings in Europe. We don't, we can't do that. Americans don't do that. It's beneath yeah. us to do that. It's a myth. It's a cultural story. We don't have it anymore. Even if someone made a movie about your grandfather, it would be someone kills everyone he knows and he has to reawaken the killer. That's the right. only story we would care about. This might sound silly, but I want to, I want to put it in into your brain and see what comes out. I remember watching, uh, I believe it's the winter soldier talk about the mythologies that we tell uh-huh. that's captain America uh-huh. and captain America that, that I grew up with. Now I sound old, that was one of his virtues. There was, there was like a restraint to him. Yes, he big time. Embodied that whole thing. Yeah, that was then pre-Civil watching, War. That's right. And then I'm watching uh, The Winter Soldier, and he's, he's, everyone's parachuting, and he just jumps out because he's Captain America. And he gets to the boat. And as everyone else's, his other men are flying in, they just start sniping everybody, <laughs> which is, it was very Jason Bourne. Like, I just didn't, yeah. I couldn't, I know I sound kind of square right now, and I'm not anti-violence. I love a lot. There's a lot of violent movies that I watch and rewatch. I play yeah. on video games. So right. I'm not on a high horse here. I just remember it registering to me. I was like, that's Captain America now. He goes on the boat. They mm. kill all the guys. He mm. goes around killing guys. I was like, that's a different story. This guy is dressed like our flag. Yeah. And they could have taken prisoners, but they just silenced single headshots to everybody. That's meant to, because remember, what did we talk about earlier about how our heroes are supposed to be reluctant? Yeah. And like, and, yeah. and, and, and Cap used to be reluctant is what you're saying. And, yes. and, it, and, and you notice that he isn't. And, and that reluctance. He's only in his language. He only ever says that he's reluctant. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only remnant of it. He's right. Like, oh, and, golly, and gee, I don't want to do it. But you just, you stab that guy pretty easily. 
Right, right. And you can see that even if he's saying a bunch of bullshit, you're feeling in here the big takeaway is, oh, kill them all. Let God sort them out. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, you know, my, my stepfather, who's American and um, is a combat veteran, and I, ta- I asked his opinion because I think this connects to what we're talking about, which is I said, like, I, I, I said, with all of this, the, the advent of drone warfare, it, is it now sort of way cleaner and easier to take a life? And shouldn't it be hard? He's like, yes. I, was like, I said, should there not be a cost? Shouldn't you have to see life drain out of someone's eyes and see how ugly and sad and depressing and pathetic that is? And, how, and shouldn't that eat your soul? Yeah. Shouldn't it be expensive to kill? Yeah. And he said, yes, it should be spiritually expensive. And when it isn't and it becomes easy and you go straight to that spot right away, it's, it's, at, it's at the expense of our souls. Yeah. And, and, and now, I'm not saying that's what Winter Soldier is at the expense of our souls, but I don't know that it's disconnected, right? And, and I, I, can't, I can't say but there's no our, correlation. That's our art. You're, yeah. You were saying how important art is, and I'm like, a yeah. uh, hundred million people are seeing that. I'm one of them. My, do- you know, my daughter will see things like that. And I'm like, it's just a different mythology than the walk softly even that wasn't perfect, I'm sure, but at least we had some virtue going. Well, there on. was a yeah, there was a, there there was a a yeah, there was an implication of talking it out. The whole reason we have politics, the whole reason we talk shit out to death and stuff, should legislation has to take a long time so that only the good right ideas get through, right? Like that's, that's right. the whole that's the whole point. If you go, if you always operate when you're seeing red. That, that's not yeah. how you run a civilization. Legislation, it's also why we have two parties. They're supposed right. to be arguing and they're supposed to be debate and they're supposed to be, it's supposed to take a long time because it's basically the government's version of slowing someone down who wants to yeah. punch someone. And you're supposed to have that. But now, again, Jason Bourne, they're like, no red tape. No, uh, we have... Yeah, convenience again. Convenience again. And I don't know if you listen to or you, or you follow Slavoj Zizek at all, but obviously one of the world's greatest living minds. But he talks a great deal about our fascist uh, dreams, our, 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 how in the West... We espouse liberalism, but we aspire to fascism. Oh, and he talk and and he says like I give he and the, a, a great example he uses is um, the Sound of Music, which on the surface of it is a clearly anti-fascist film because it's about Austrians fleeing Austria during Anschluss during the the, the Nazi annexation of Austria by Nazi Germany, right? So they're fleeing Nazis. So therefore, it's not you know anti-fascist fleeing fascist, right? Goes that's what's on the surface. He goes, but look at how they express these characters, okay? He says all of the anti-fascists um, are, represent all of the fascist ideals. They're all agrarian, rural, uh, traditional, folksy. All of the Nazis are, um, espoused, uh, are made up of all the sort of uh, stereotypes that fascists use to demonize Jews. And uh, they, so all the Nazis in, in Sound of Music are cosmopolitan. They smoke foreign cigarettes. They're, they're so, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, so, so he says... It's true, not because it's funny. But he's, he's like, so really, even if the Von Trapps are anti-fascist and the Nazis are fascist, the Von Trapps feel fascist and the Nazis feel like Jews. 
And he says, so he goes, I, he goes, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying, I think there's a lot there for us to discuss about time. And again, we feel the need to express egos. And I think cinema is where we put a lot of our fascist ideals. Like, you know, sadly, a lot of superhero, and I'm a big comic book guy, but a lot of superhero fiction, an argument could be made is sort of fascist in this Isn't DNA. Isn't Alan Moore? Didn't Alan Moore say that? Yes. And, and, he's, and he's completely he's like they've traded right. it for new hoods. It's not hoods and capes. It's like they've taken the hoods off and now they wear masks. Well, it's true. It's all about the, the, the wrong man and, and, and the like extreme and, and, and extreme situations call for extreme measures and blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff that is all sort of way, you know, slippery slope stuff that it leads towards fascism, you know, like I'd argue even Star Wars, holy Star Wars is all about the cult of the one and the strong, you know, the, the, the only sort of pop culture thing that's self-reflexive enough to sort of do that, but then look at it that I've seen is Dune. Because in the first Dune book, Paul Atreides becomes the Kwisatz Haderach. He becomes the one. But then the second book is about how fucked that is and how much he hates it and how his word has now gone across the... He, Herbert talks about a galaxy full of zealots. And, and now Paul then spends the rest of his existence railing against that cult that is to which he is the fucking god, wow. right? And, and, and so... But we don't want that. And, and when, when the two hours is over, or rather three and a half hours now, um, and the popcorn's on the floor, it's better to just end it at, like, good guy wins, good strong man wins. The, you know, it, and that shit works on me, too, by the way. I'm not trying to say I'm better than this. I just like to think, like, it's this. If you take the fucking 30 seconds in the grocery store to look at what goes into the food you're eating, which all of us fucking do and have done for like what last 10, 15 years is when it started, let's say, but we all look at what's in their food. Now, just do the same thing to the music and the movie you, you yeah. listen to and the movies you watch. Look at wow. the ingredients, right? Yeah. Wow. You are my kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> Likewise, Pete. Cause you know what I wrote down when you were talking before you even said that, boy, I, I apologize to the comedian whose line it is. I can't remember if I saw it at an open mic or what. It could have been 10 years ago. But he goes, I, I saw like a, a beef jerky for like, um, I don't know, 35 cents or something. And he goes, oh, no, no. He went the other way. He went, there was a pack of Orbit gum and it was $1.35. And he goes, shouldn't meat cost more than gum? And I was like, isn't that right? Isn't yep. that exactly yep. what we're talking yes. about? Yes, meat completely. Is life... It sh- and, and you can eat meat, but you have no connection to it. It's now yep. poultry. It's now beef. It's now yeah. veal. It's these words. I love that arc on Mad Men where they're trying to sell horse meat. And uh, right. for a brief moment, Don Draper is trying to consider, like, how can we sell horse meat? Can we call it something <laughs> like beef? And I was like, that's what the fuck it is. Meat should cost more than gum. Life should cost more than a drone. Yep. And the and the movie should go Dune with it. What was the name of that? It sounds like if I met, if I hit every key on the keyboard, I'll find that guy. Yeah, uh, Sla- Slavoj Zizek, uh, Z I Z E K. He he did a, I don't know. Um, he 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 had a big debate, a monk debate in Toronto last year against Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you know who fucking Jordan Peterson is at Nutbar. Hey, he's a, he's his darling of the alt right. Uh, oh wait, no, I think I watched that. He's a Canadian dude, and. Um, so is he the Jewish guy that's like a uh, young, young Jewish guy? Where's the yarmulke? No. So, no, this is a, so, so he, so 
that I think the guy you're talking about is Shapiro. Uh, Jordan Peterson's is like this Canadian. He's a professor up here, and I think he's U of T or so. I forget what school he's up up here, but he's become this. Um, he's all about. He's the guy who's on the all beef diet. He only eats beef. He, oh, he believes yes, and he's it's all cultural Marxism and and blah blah blah. Anyway, all beef diet. I better yeah. check him out now if I want to. So that's Jordan Peterson, but Zizek debated him at the um, in Toronto last year, and it was like I oh, mopped the floor with him, and and Zizek's just like. Um, Zizek on the left, uh, his biggest uh, arch nemesis is Chomsky. They they really hate each other, but they they both have tons of great stuff to say. So, I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Uh, cool. And I love that you said Zed. I love when you're sneak <laughs> out, dude. Let's get a little bit lighter because you were talking about weed, and I just think you're gonna. Sometimes you can re- almost make someone feel high by telling them a high story. So I was stoned the other night and we were in bed and our dog was sleeping on the floor. And I said, Brody, come up on the bed. And I I was stoned and he didn't. And I was like, isn't it weird that Brody, we couldn't see him and he couldn't see us. I know what face he's making. He's making his like, (laughs) do I go on the bed? And then I was like, that means he doesn't make the face for us. He makes the face because he makes the face. Like yeah, it's yeah. not to communicate. Yeah. He just yeah. makes the face. Like, that's curious. just him. Yeah, that's just him. That's just him reacting, man. If you if you called out to me and I was behind a wall, I wouldn't go. Mm. Like, yeah. I wouldn't, like I am a human being, I would just make no face. Well, or or you would, and you don't know that or you don't know. Maybe I would. I know. Yeah, not what makes acting so embarrassing sometimes. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible when you see your Michael Jordan tongue, but your Michael Jordan tongue is you going like, yeah. you know, like like like, like, like. your unknown, your unconscious habit. Yeah, is what you mean. yeah. yeah. And and acting is the great fucking mirror for all that shit. Like I swear to God, ninety percent of things I watch. My review is close your fucking mouth, asshole. Close your fucking mouth, asshole. I just like, like, who told you to sit there with your mouth open when no one's talking? Who does that, right? Like, like, (laughs) that is how I would watch myself. The the greatest thing about making a TV show was getting to act a lot and improve. Mm. And at the beginning, because I'm a comedian, I'm used to emoting a lot. So the back row can see. Sure. That was me. I was like, why am I going? I know this is a podcast, but for you, I'd be like, like, I'd really be sure showing yeah you swing for I the felt. fences because you come from the theater that, that that's a that's a perfectly natural thing i i you know i somebody who i i don't care for don't think he's very good at what he does so i'm not going to give him credit but he had one moment of lucidity um a broken clock is right twice a day kind of thing but he he was like you spend the first 10 years learning how to act then you spend the next 10 years learning how to not act wow yeah, I and i think that. that's that's kind of the thing I, I just, I was on Facebook and it gave me this memory. I, I, I saw this kid that I went to high school with and he was cooler than me. This actually applies to weed. We were at this party and we were all like 15. We're children. And he rolled a joint and he offered it to me and I said no. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was like, he made some like face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're just doing, I didn't know at the time, but I was like, we're all just doing impressions 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like you, yes. just, you saw that. This is what, whenever I get stoned, by the way, I don't know if I'm on the spectrum or what, but I get really obsessed with how people talk, what people yes. say. I'm Absolutely. not going to bore you. I, I said this on the Conan episode, but I was like, when people fight, we all do it the same way. We go like, no, what do you mean? Never mind. No, seriously. What the fuck do you mean? Yeah. I can take it. Go ahead. You're a big man. Yeah. You have it. Like, where did we learn how to do this? Yeah. Like, uh. We learned it by mimicry. Nobody's. No, absolutely. This sounds like some real basic stuff, some real dorm room stoner stuff. But I'm like, nobody's being authentic. Nobody's free. No, you're you're right. Everyone's just doing an impression of their mother or their father or whoever, <laughs> whoever, whoever gave them shit, right? And they're doing an impression of their father. So you're doing an impression of my great grandfather. No, exactly right. No, and I'll and I'll and sometimes you sometimes it's a bit more vital than others. Like you'll you'll be aware. Like I'll I'll catch myself saying stuff. You know, like. TJ like this one because it's something I actually say because my mother said it and I, I said, oh, fuck that's a sticky wicket he was like what <laughs> it's I, I it's like yeah like you got no option a rock and a hard place it's a sticky wicket and he's like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> but but it's so it, that now that's just a silly old thing that but that that continues on that gets passed on but it's the same shit you're right we all do my mom tells me this she loves telling this one of like she said, I was two or three. I was on grand, my granddad's shoulders. We were like at like amusement park or something. And uh, <laughs> granddad's walk with grandmother. I'm on my shoulders. Mom's in front. And I just go out of nowhere. Uh, I haven't been talking. I said, look at the tits on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and like grandmother hey. burst out laughing. But clearly I had heard, like kids don't say that i didn't hear it on television right. you know <laughs> i remember my mom was volunteering at the church and she said that this little boy was squirming in his underwear and she said are you okay and he said i have to adjust my underwear because my cock's so big and i was and you know five six year old boy and she was like she told me she was like well obviously he heard his father say that and i was like oh my god so, dude, I, I've been working, and we're wrapping up, by the way. I want to respect your time. But I've been writing a script, and I know you write as well. That is the insanity that we're tapping into. You ever write a scene, and you're just like, I did it this morning. I'm very proud of myself. I wrote a scene. It's a great scene. It's a funny scene. And it felt true. And it just came out. And I was like, why? And I was like, because it's just music. Like, some people yeah. play the guitar. And some yes. people notice that some people go like, What's that? When do you say sorry instead of yeah. when do you say yeah. come again? Absolutely. When do you stammer? When do you stutter? This is what Mamet and all my heroes have noticed. And I will say that people like, uh, I'm going to throw us in there, that write dialogue and enjoy that uh, are sort of plagued by going like, is, is no one else noticing that we're all just doing this sort of fake thing you just kind of have to surrender to it and go like yeah and then i'm saying it's fake i'm saying it in a fake way like i'm being in a way that i heard tony robbins do when i was 18 or whatever right right but it's but i think it kind of speaks to the the big sort of zoom out zoom out zoom out which is it's as fake as anything right and and i and and so like we're all when when I was in preschool, we used to play this big game where you get a big sort of parachute and we'd all hold it up and try to keep yeah. a ball in the bouncing in the bit in the middle of it, right? Yeah, like yeah. I think all of that shit is that. You 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 are born in this 
shithole of a planet and you navigate it and you learn how to do it and someone teaches you this someone teaches you that you find out what works best for you but there's nothing new under the sun right that was like a very early moral in my house when i was a kid that mom was like there's no new stories just so you know there's only like a handful of stories it's all yeah. but that doesn't mean you can't bring something cool to it or you can't you know blah blah you blah 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 food fight Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Um, or uh, yeah, and and so so I, I I think it's I think it's that I, I but I I love that shit. I I, I love. I'm a I've been a chronic people watcher my whole life. I was lucky as a I, the the house I grew up in in Montreal was like. Uh, Jimmy Stewart's apartment in rear window like it looked out on a back alleyway of brownstones so I just got to stay that was TV that was just as good as TV and and I got to watch a whole bunch of I love listening to people I love watching how they express themselves or not I love knowing when they use someone else's name I love you know like I just I I there's yeah, nothing you use the name yeah right when and and you can use it positively you can use it to show i give a shit you can use it to chastise right like yeah. and 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 i i live for that shit i yeah. i think like that's the like that's the that's the best i love that i love that you're into that too uh you made me think a million things but i forgot all of them that's okay <laughs> I, well we'll I just have to do this again we'll do it again we're not gonna leave without that axel rose story though <laughs> <laughs> So here's the big thing. Um, the, the saddest thing is that I got Cage really psyched. But um, so it's a it's an inherently this is going to be an inherently name droppy story. Um, you mean but, Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat, right? <laughs> and you mean the, Axel from Twisted Metal, right? No, I mean Sorry, I Twisted mean Twisted Metal too. I mean <laughs> Axel from Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, nice. Um, yeah. um, no, it. Uh, so. One of my dear friends in the universe is uh, Mike Smith, uh, who plays Bubbles on the Trailer Park Boys. Um, I mean, I'm friends with all of them and and worked with them a fair bit. But but uh, Smith is a is a very very close friend of mine, and he is himself very very close with Axel. And um, so, uh, flash forward time to be in Manhattan, fly down to Manhattan for Montreal for the Sorcerer's Apprentice premiere. And um, I find out the boys are in New York. So I was like, well, fuck. I was like, do you guys want to come to the movie? I'd be super proud to have you there as my guest because I was only bringing like a friend, my mom, my sister. So I was like, I would love to bring you guys like, you know, uh, that'd be cool to have you rep on the, you know. And so they're like, yeah, absolutely. And they're like, Mike was like, you know, Axel's here. He's asking if he can come. I was like, what? Yes. Yes, a thousand times. Yes, he can come. Of course, he can come. He's like, okay. Are you sure? I was like, yeah. He's like, all right. I was like, so I'm I'm putting Axl Rose on my guest list for the Sorcerer's Apprentice. He's like, yeah. And he's like, but you know, he takes he's he's good. he takes a long time to get ready. So I was like, okay. And then I tell. Nick Cage, I was like, uh, so the Trailer Park Boys are coming. I don't know if you knew who they were, but I was like, but uh, I think I was like, Axel Rose, he's like, oh, who who are the Trailer Park? Oh, the Trailer Park Boys. So I said, I said, uh, but Axel Rose is coming. He's like, what? I was like, yeah. He's like, no, you don't understand. I, I, I've never met him. I've always won. I've never met him. He's like, and I love Chinese democracy. He goes, there's, 
there's one he's like there's this one song on chinese democracy i want to ask him about and i was like okay well you're gonna get your chance and and now and now i'm like holy fuck cage is impressed with me and like that has almost never happened and by the way always nice to me like i got along like a house on fire but it's like it's not like i'm telling him telling him anecdotes about the family i grew up in and hollywood circa 1983 and like i i'm not the one with all the great anecdotes it's all him right so so nor nor am i the one with the like famous person hookup right like i i like you know i'm not the one being like do you want to come to dinner with eddie vetter you know like like so 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 i so for me to be like yeah axel's coming and he's like there's a song on chinese democracy i was like oh fuck awesome but then the movie do the screen the the premiere back to the party and and axel doesn't come and Axel doesn't come to the movie and he's not at the party. And I'm asking Smith, I'm like, he's like, he's still getting ready. And I'm like, he's still getting ready. He's like, he's picking his jacket and what earrings to put on and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> and then like, now it's no skin off my nose. Really. I'm not slighted in the least. I, you know, I thought it'd be awesome, but you know, but K just like keeps asking. He's like, is, is Axel here? Is he here? Has he come? And I'm like, no, no. And I'm like, Smith, is he coming? He's like, nah, he's bailing. And I'm like, fuck. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's coming anymore, Nick. He's like, oh, I, I was waiting around for him. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, oh so, and then, then we all just went home. And uh, so that was how. <laughs> so not only did Axl Rose not come, but you found out that Nick Cage was only hanging out with you to buy time for Axl Rose to show up. Correctamundo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I but we got. We got. <laughs> But I'll tell you who was at our premiere: Bloomberg and Mickey Mouse. Um, so oh, anyway, no way. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the real Mickey yeah. Mouse. Yeah, man, the actual animal. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> really no, gross. He's, he's just leaking out sorts of all sorts of all sorts of places. He's very old. Very yeah. Old. He's in. Wasn't really filled. bad shape. Yeah. No, and true. and he is a bigot. Uh, <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a bummer of an anecdote right there. I loved that anecdote. Well, this is the Thank last you. question. Then we're out of here. It can be a thirty-second answer. It doesn't matter. And don't overthink it. What's the hardest yep. time you've laughed in your life? Can you think of one? Oh, bar none. I know exactly when it was because um, I t- was telling a story about this the other night. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm in elementary school because, of course, it's. For me, I don't know about you, I've never laughed as hard as an adult that the hardest I've laughed was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And nothing, it doesn't even come close. Um, and, and, but we were doing public speaking in Catholic school. And, uh, and it was elementary school size. All of our school was in the gym where we did our mass to listen to all the kids give their speeches. So there's junior kindergarten all the way through grade six is there. And um, everyone's giving their speeches. And then there's this kid I'm in school with who's got a twin sister and 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 the story up to this point has been him just shitting on his sister whenever possible, always just trying to get people to join the Margaret Stinks Club and all this different stuff. And so he's telling a story. His speech is all about what it is to be a twin. And he talks about, you know, sharing a bathroom. And and then uh, and he talks about how, you know, sometimes one of us is bathed and the other one will go use the toilet. And I'm just like, yeah, that's how it is. Like, I'm a poor kid. I know what it is to pee while my sister's in the bath, you know. And he goes, and one time I was peeing and my sister stuck her head out of the bathtub and drank my pee. (laughs) 
and uh, a gym full of kids just erupted, and uh, I, I and I can't, I can't, I, I just remember the like moment of. <sighs> the poor thing bolted for the doors, and then like we went through the whole panoply of emotion because it was like, oh my god, this is the craziest, hilarious thing. But then the older kids, we it, we experienced it long enough to have older kids come over and tell like. Man, that's a fucked up story you just told. And like, <laughs> so I, I, I he uh, ran out. He ran out of the room. No, she. He stayed put in bast in the in the laughter. Uh, oh, she, he. Uh, yeah. Ah, it's horrible. I feel bad. I shouldn't have told no. this story. Okay. <laughs> All of the memory. I'll never forget that one. And I'm, I'm the gift you've given us. Uh, and joy. Uh, so there was pain involved, but now it's all joy. Um, I'll never forget that answer. That's one of the, my favorite. <laughs> I am all that, that, you know, I, I, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, you saying so. Here's, um, so I'd love to see you again. Uh, Likewise, it's a, it's buddy. Like a date. I'd love to see yeah. you again. I feel like. Yeah, it'd be great. Out. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but I had a lot of fun. So no, no pressure, whatever. No pressure. I leave it up oh, to you. And I didn't even compliment the Trotsky. I think it's such a great movie. You're so great. In oh, it. thank you so much, man. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, Jacob, like- who directed it, is one of my, my best friends in the whole world. So I'll, I'll tell him that. Well, we didn't even talk about what a film nerd you are and, and how much when you were nine, you would read film theory books. I'm yeah. in that I watch all these YouTube videos on, on filmmaking and stuff. I, I just enjoy it. And yeah, that's too. how I found out about the Trotsky. They were always referencing oh, cool. these great direction choices that they made in the Trotsky. Oh, so cool. If that's worth anything. That's floating around. So what I was oh, going to say cool. Was, that's awesome. Isn't that great? Um, so I, it might be Cinefix or one of those. It's, that, that was it about? Was it about the way he used like um, Soviet, uh, like Eisenstein's type of framing? Was it about that kind oh, of thing? That or? might have been. That's that right. surprised me. It's such a thoughtful yeah. movie. It is and, big time. And I love it's a, it's a it's a fine line to walk, but when the theme is really clear, you know, bored you get away with it. Yeah, they did it. And you and you really did a great performance. Um, Thank you. Okay, that being said, I am uh, before all of this. I was shooting a movie in uh, Montreal. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I can say that it. I don't. I don't know if I'm allowed to say, it, but there are kids in it, and I'm really worried that all the kids are going to be 19 when we're <laughs> when we're shooting it. But I have uh, a couple more days of shooting in Montreal, and I will look you up and at least let you know that I'm in the area if you happen. Please, to be. please, fucking do. But, well, uh, I'm there a lot. I moved to Toronto, but I'm oh. it's it's my my heart is still Montreal. Um I I my wife works there a shitload and I worked there for 3 months last year. I I it's in pre-quarantine life it was basically like half and half. I I spent I spent I spend a lot of time there. So absolutely. Well, how about this? And also if you're in LA, don't rogan me. <laughs> uh, done. Done. <laughs> done. Done and done. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> we bookended it with uh, the hot gossip. It'll get the kids in the door and then they stick around for the meaning of life that you Yes. <laughs> okay, we end the podcast with the guest saying the catchphrase. The catchphrase is keep it crispy. I'm going to give you the direction. Can you say keep it crispy? In the way that people do impressions of Jay Barishall. Do the most Jay Barishall yeah, sure, sure, voice sure. saying keep it crispy. You got it. Uh, hey, keep it crispy, gang. <laughs> Gilbert. Gilbert. Uh, Godfrey. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> thank you, man. This is really uh, beautiful for me. A lot of love to you. Likewise, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. And sincerely, because I've, I've been a fan from afar, now I get to be proud of you as well. So I'm uh, real, real happy that I now know that the dude I hung out with, TJ's friend back in the no day. Blame. Yeah, I know the hologram theory is Pete Holmes. That's really cool, man. So I'm happy that we've actually like reconnected, really, yeah, if anything. That's right. Taking back Sunday. Thanks, Indeed. man. Stay healthy. Stay safe. You too, buddy. Thanks for having me. Of course. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.